0: You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of splatterpictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with, always...
1: Typical Lydia...
0: On today's show, we're going to be doing the 2015 Splatterfest, Condemned.
1: It's a gore-tastic, white-knuckled thrill ride, Wes.
0: White-knuckled thrill ride.
1: I know you love saying white-knuckled thrill
0: ride. (laughs) Yeah, and I also love when people use words to describe movies that don't exist.
1: Like, gore-tastic. I use that word all the time. What do you mean it doesn't exist? (laughs) I've used it
0: into existence. In a world where Webster's Dictionary has included things like twerk and nay-nay... And dope, Yep. I think that it's high time the egregious omission of Gortastic is finally fixed.
1: I think egregious is one of the words used to describe this film that we're watching tonight. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think so. I do just want to say that part of why I wanted to do this film so badly was because while it was being hyped and while it was in post-production, there were a lot of reviews coming out. And I just had this, you know, my Spidey sense was tingling. Mm-hmm. Saying like... The tingler. Oh, they showed the tingler at Rainbow Cinemas, or either Rainbow or Silver City. I think it was Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, not long ago, and I felt so bad that I missed it.
0: <laughs> Didn't mean to derail you. you were saying. Yeah, that has nothing to do with
1: this, but yes. Uh, my Spidey sense was tingling. Because I sort of, I'd like to say that I saw this coming, but I just had a feeling that this was coming. Uh, No one was going to fucking like this movie. Absolutely fucking nobody.
0: (laughs) Except, like, me. What do you think was was tipping you off that no one was going to like this movie?
1: Because it was getting a lot of mainstream press. Not a lot of horror journalism press. Okay. Then I'd like to interject that the horror journalism the horror press hasn't been really covering things properly in the longest while they cover their darlings and they do top 10 lists a lot more often than they do
0: well it's strange because you think that they would in a world where we have websites dedicated to horror that are 24 oh, yeah. 7 and magazines that usually come out monthly and not just one or two magazines a lot of magazines People have to publish stories pretty much every day. There always needs to be something. One of the nice things about horror is also the worst thing about horror is that there's so fucking much horror. It's an embarrassment of horror. Between theatrical releases, independent uh, releases, and everything else in between, festival circuits, whatever. There's a
1: lot of news. There's a lot of fucking shit going on. There's a lot of movies coming out. Oh, yeah.
0: So why do you think that... Is It is it just because, well, we don't want to talk about that in case it's bad, or do we not want to talk about this because they're advertising on us, or... I have
1: no idea. I really don't, because I don't care enough to look or ask. Okay. And, well, for, that's the number one reason. Because um, I'm lazy and just let, you know, news roll in as it rolls in, whatever. Um, it's not my job. But uh, it could be something to do with the creator of this particular film, Eli Morgan Grasner, is mm-hmm. far more popular among those who would like skateboard and wear clothes, like fashion fashion pieces okay. and stuff. I... He's the creator of Zoo York. Gotcha. Clothing a skateboard line. Yep. So that's maybe part of it. Someone as a horror journalist looking at it and being like, Well, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he making a horror movie? It's...
0: But who the fuck is anybody though?
1: I know, right? So they should be covering it just properly. And I don't I don't know, maybe I missed a whole bunch of condemned news coming out. I doubt it, though, because I mostly saw news on Condemned coming from places like Entertainment Weekly and Hollywood Reporter and Variety. Mm -hmm. Those are not places I turn to for horror movie news. Those are places I turn to at my work. Those are great secondary primary sources for aggregate journalism on film and television, for sure. But for horror movie news? So I just kind of felt that I saw it coming there would be a a backlash they were covering the filming and production of this film and the people that were involved in it Mm -hmm. but once it came out it got nothing but shit press which is really sad for me because I like this movie (laughs) I think it's a misstep on the part of the newsmakers and the promotion team maybe and I use that term really lightly because I don't know how much of a team there was could mean a team of one
0: well Between RLJ and Calibre Media. This is his first production. Mm -hmm. This is a lot of these actors. uh, Well, the star, Dylan Penn, this is her first feature.
1: Yeah, Sean Penn's daughter. It is
0: Sean Penn's daughter. I know that. Now, the interesting thing about horror, and uh, a few episodes back when we did the movie Clown, you had posed me a question, and I'm just going to bring it up now because this is how we do it. I'm just going to redo the answer. Yeah. You asked me what was the reason why Clown didn't get more notice. Yeah. And I said that there was really no reason. And there is a reason. The reason was that there was no star. There was no name. That would have, aside from the connection to Eli Roth, which isn't exactly everyone's selling point, right? So... I feel like this movie has people that have been in a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Johnny Mesner, for example, he's been in tons of Tears of the Sun, a bunch of Bruce Willis flicks, action movies, and stuff like that. There's been the, there's been people from like Scary Movie and uh, other horror films and stuff like that. But you can't point to any one actor and be like, "Oh, that's the person from that thing."
1: But in Clown, there's Peter Stormare from Fargo and a lot of other films.
0: Yeah, but is Fargo? I I mean, Is Fargo
1: massive? Yes. Is it though? I don't know. I don't know anymore, Wes. I'm a big fan of Condemned. What do I know?
0: I'm just saying that Fargo, people like Fargo. It's a movie that people point to and they're like, this is a well-made movie. I've never seen it, uh, still. Uh, (laughs) But you don't look at me like you didn't know that. I know I
1: know that, but I'm still surprised you haven't watched it still because I've watched Deliverance again for you. (laughs) sir but I guess yes people look at Fargo and anyone that's familiar with the film Fargo thinks William H. Macy yeah
0: exactly why (laughs) what is you watching Deliverance because I didn't get a part have to do with anything
1: that you should watch more films that come to mind when you're you know when it becomes something where I'm like bugging you almost on a every second show basis Maybe behind the scenes and off air, Fargo fucking comes up and you still haven't watched it. I'm just surprised this all. I don't really care. I'm just, my eyes got big. Sorry. That's all right. Yeah, I, I emoted for a second, folks. That's all that happened. <laughs>
0: We're not usually using that brick wall costume I got for you.
1: I'd rather enjoy the brick wall costume, sir. <laughs> so there's no name attached. And you feel that these maybe have a little more draw. And I do feel they have draw as far as their Disney Family Channel names. Yeah, I feel,
0: I feel maybe the fact that Sean Penn is a big star and his kids in it, maybe that was why Entertainment Weekly was like, here's a thing. Entertainment Weekly is and Entertainment Tonight are perfect examples of people that have to publish shit every single day. And they kind of grasp at straws, even when things aren't news. And that happens, I mean, even when things aren't news, (laughs) there's tons of stuff that people talk about that aren't news. But what I mean to say is, I agree with you that it's strange that Condemned was not getting more press from horror sites and horror magazines, especially after it came. There was no... Because I heard about this movie through you. Yeah. And I'm a person who knows about horror movies that are coming out
1: and I live with my head in the sand for the most part luckily my phone fits into the little hole I've dug in the sand and it's backlit, that helps but yeah, no, it's sort of like the fact that this movie was covered so thoroughly by like Entertainment Tonight and Variety and Hollywood Reporter and places like that um, and not so much with the horror press is sort of akin to my reviewing romance novels okay I it doesn't seem right, and I would do a shitty job, and I probably wouldn't think very highly of them. Uh, I'm just gonna read some of the fun tidbits that came out afterwards. So they were like, there's quite a few articles about like uh, Lydia Hearst being involved, about this yeah, yeah. Um, Sean Penn's daughter being involved, Ronan Rubinstein. He was on, I believe, True Blood or some film some show that people talk about
0: something else i haven't seen yeah i know
1: right um (laughs) but he was in some kind of hate and he was um but he seems to be a caliber media darling let alone people would recognize him from watching these television shows so they did follow the production but then when it came time for review the la times has to say there's no sense oh no they they reviewed some kind of hate badly as well so there's no sense to some kind of hate some kind of hate is some kind of mess And for Condemned, they said it is a stylish, pointless exercise in sleaze, and the headline was, It is a virus not worth catching. Hollywood Reporter said (laughs) Condemned is one of the most egregoriously awful horror films in recent memory, and strictly for those genre fans who find trauma too subtle and sophisticated. (laughs) They should have sat around while I took us through fucking Dante's Inferno via V this film. (laughs) They also didn't like some kind of hate. Hollywood Reporter said it is not even as good as the Carrie remake.
0: That's mean. I
1: bristled. I couldn't even get through the first, like, maybe 20 minutes of the Carrie remake, and I was... I just couldn't. What the fuck is this shit? It's I a couldn't. different take, for sure. Yeah, it's just not for me. It's yeah. just not for me. It's just not for me. So these films are just not for these people. Like, Variety. Disney star Sierra McCormick set, set for horror movies, Some Kind of Hate. No follow-up. They flatlined after that, because I guess they watched it and went like... <laughs>
0: We can't really talk about, yeah, drug addle- addicts and murder and mayhem and.
1: Variety, um, did cover condemned. Gotcha. This forgettable low budget horror pick marks the feature debut of Sean Penn and Robin Wright's daughter Dylan Penn, and this is a, this is the sort of Z grade oddity that
0: Troma used to churn out used to turn out Keep your trauma made. <laughs> <laughs> follow follow trauma's Twitter account and you will know that they don't ever stop. yeah, they never they... fucking stop. So I' I'm, I, I'm so sorry
1: I oh every time I read this I'm just my brain short circuits. okay, so it's what the oddity that trauma used to turn out for a faithful audience but Brian Spear's revolting special makeup effects would fit nicely in a superior production. Again, I'd, I'd have to say. That those are films that they would never watch because they shouldn't. They have no business covering horror movies.
0: I'm glad that we finally have done some regular old-fashioned movie reviews from the main sources because I like to play a game every time I watch a movie that I like, that I guarantee. I don't even have to look it up. I guarantee that mainstream critics don't like it. Yeah, And I try to think about what their tagline would be. For their article. So, for something like Condemned. Condemned to watch subpar movie. Or, you know what I'm saying? like yeah. Like, Condemned to be forgettable.
1: Yeah. It's a virus <laughs> you don't want to catch. Exactly. Yeah, that that's, shit. They write their own headlines.
0: Well, yeah. um, oh, I went to school, like, and, and they were telling me about how to write stupid headlines like that. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah. Yeah, pun, and they, punny and they, they, they took
0: it super serious, too. And they didn't like anything that I ever came up with. So.
1: They all work at The Sun now. Um, but... When the creator was talking to Michael Gringold of Fangoria, he started out his first question, like his first answer with, you know, I finally get to talk to somebody who will understand this. And he went on to talk about Dawn of the Dead, other horror movies, the technicalities of doing this film, the fucking budget that they had to work under and the production quality that they wanted to garner. So he really is a guy when chatting about horror movies that he he knows what he's talking about. He's obviously a fine filmmaker, because I think that this is a fine film. It's just sad that the mainstream was the only place that I could really get news about this film for the longest time. And then, of course, they just panned it terribly. I don't Mm -hmm. know what they were expecting, but all I can think of is, is this is where I would have no business reviewing romance novels. And I feel they have really no business covering horror movies. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's kind of hilarious. So I sort of saw it coming in a way that no one was going to fucking like this movie, and I think it's even tainted horror viewers and horror fans
0: because it seems that nobody likes this fucking movie. Wait, are you telling me that sometimes reviews of movies can skew people's opinions of them before they actually watch it? I know, it's fucked up, but it, it, it can. I like this angry version of you because it's pretty much what was the genesis of making splatter pictures at all right? <laughs> was was me sitting there there was a time young Lydia that I was much like you sitting there five years ago mad about mainstream reviews of horror movies that I loved so dearly and, and it then... felt like
1: you had like a mating ball of snakes in your head
0: yeah 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 and I just vomited out this fucking website <laughs> yes now I have to come to your house every week.
1: I'm usually never angry about stuff. I'm not necessarily angry about this. I kind of find it hilarious. I know you're not angry about it, yeah. It made me very excited to see this film. Very, very excited to see this film. Excited to the tune that I went on and on about it. Um, Chris from Bind Torture Cast actually sent me the DVD because it wasn't coming out in Canada fast enough. And
0: That sounds familiar.
1: I was that... Oh, yeah. Typical Canada. And I was very, very, very pleased once I received it that not only did I enjoy it, I enjoyed it 10 times more than I thought I would. And like I was describing to you, as other people view this film and their appreciation for it goes down and down and down as the grotesquerie goes up and up and up and up, my enjoyment of this film went up and up and up as I watched it. You said there was some sort of review or something where somebody had said it starts out okay, but then just...
0: When I was watching this movie, because for some reason, dear listeners, when I'm doing... When we're doing this show, typically I don't watch the movies before I sit down and watch them with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a lot of the times I've seen these already. Sure, yeah. But it's been a while. So the listeners get my most recent and authentic reaction when I'm talking about a movie this time you specifically asked me to watch it beforehand so I was given homework which I never was good at doing
1: he doesn't like being assigned homework and I don't so I don't like assigning it but I was perfectly willing to renege on doing this for the show if you didn't like it
0: you wanting to do a movie is reason enough for me to want to do it if you just say Wes I want to do this I'm like okay I don't, like, I'll, I'll trust, if I don't like it, I don't like it, but. Yeah. I, I don't even feel like movies that I'm not entirely enamored with, I don't even really feel like I shit on them that badly. I'm gonna make you watch Cujo. <sighs> Listeners, let me tell you, I need you desperately to start a Twitter campaign to just change Lydia's mind about fucking Cujo. Hashtag no Joe.
1: I'll bet you that hashtag's taken, sir. <laughs> you. I'll you. I'll bet you. One viewing a cujo.
0: It's a fine film. It's just very it's an endurance test for me.
1: It is an endurance test for you, and we're gonna do it on the hottest fucking day in the middle of August.
0: Oh. I'm excited. I'm gonna be doing it in a tank top and sweaty tidy whiteies.
1: Same here. <laughs> it'll be a theme day. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, Wes. Trust me, it'll be fun.
0: Oh my god. I'll yeah.
1: give us a little cups of warm milk.
0: Not
1: Whoa. enough to go around? What? We have to be authentic. <laughs> to the book, anyway. The I forget bu- if they have any liquids in the, in the film. But they have warm milk that's been in the car with them. Anyway, we're not talking about Cujo. We're talking about Condemned.
0: <laughs> we gotta say that.
1: I'm so excited to watch Cujo.
0: <laughs> You've been chomping at the bit for like a year.
1: Like a rabid fucking dog. I'm fucking scrabbling at the window <laughs> trying to get in. That's me.
0: Welcome to our fucking Splatter Pictures Dead Air Podcast fan cast where we talk about movies we're about to review months from now. <laughs> <laughs> Speculate what we're going to say about it.
1: Well, it's not completely off the mark because I did I, I accuse these people in Condemned of Suffering from Encephalitis. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's rabies, <laughs> rabies. So maybe we should talk about actually what this movie even is. hmm So the movie Condemned is a story about a young lady, played by Dylan Penn, who is coming from a troubled background. Sure, she has million-dollar property with her parents at the beachfront, but they yell at each other sometimes. And, well, she just had enough. And so she's calling her boyfriend. Now, her boyfriend lives in New York. I don't know where she lives. Maybe New Jersey someplace. It can't be that far.
1: No.
0: Yeah. I didn't get this sense from
1: Manhattan-ish. I don't know. Yeah, she's,
0: she's like some somewhere, somewhere in a very nice place. Yeah. She's rich. I, I mean, we know this because
1: Long Island. Maybe. Yeah.
0: We know this because most of the characters refer her derogatorily as "rich girl." I'd love if people called me "rich girl." <laughs>
1: I, I'm going to start calling you
0: "rich girl." Sweet. She calls her boyfriend and her boyfriend says, well, why don't you come on over? Come on over. And she's like, I'm not like you. I'll never be like you. No. She doesn't quite say it like that. <laughs> no. do you, Let me ask she you this. She is more whiny. Well, she's upset. And, and I can understand when you're constantly dealing with parents fighting and and if the parents are fighting with each other that intensely, they're probably yelling at her that intensely. So it's probably just a lifetime of this breaking her down over time and she can't take it anymore. Yeah. So she goes and she wants to be with her boyfriend. This is what I wanted to ask you. Are they high school sweethearts and he moved to New York or what is this?
1: I don't know. I don't even know how long they've been dating really. Um... They
0: seem to have had a relationship. Before she got there. Yeah. But there's such a distance between them. I'm led to believe that he was probably a uh, no-good Nick in, yeah. in the smoking section. Yeah. At, at her high school. And then he moved to go be well, a punk a punk Downtown
1: star. Downtown and go, like, play in a band or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Which sort of makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, in that he seems to know intimately what it is like for her at home. Mm-hmm. And right away, like, when they're on the phone, he's like, are they, are they yelling again? Like, he he knows what it's like for her. Yeah. And he seems lives. very fed
0: up about it. Because he's like, again? You've yeah. got to kick me.
1: Yeah. And super protective. And just wants her out of there. And, he's like, nice this guy. has happened for way too long. And it is, like, breaking her down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she doesn't know where he lives. So I found that kind of, like, you know, that didn't really meet up in my mind.
0: I think that... When you might be in his situation, perhaps she knows that he moved here and he would have maybe vaguely said, yeah, I got a great place and I'm living with so-and-so and and this person, but not wanting her to worry, not wanting her to maybe think less of him. um, Not until she was right in front of it did she really get the idea of what is happening here. So what is actually happening is he has a place. He's living with his bandmate, Loki, and uh, Loki's girlfriend. Alexa. Well, this building is condemned.
1: It's a squat. It's a fucking punk house squat. Yeah. Yeah. There's other tenants, quote unquote. Um, We'll use the word tenants, but just keep in mind they are absolutely not tenants in the actual meaning of the word. Um, It's a a squat. It's a condemned building that everyone's just living in. Yeah. Pretty fascinating for a squat hovel. I, I like this building a lot.
0: It's a good building. You like that sort of thing. Like that caked and rat piss look. <laughs>
1: I don't think there's as much rats. I didn't see a rat at all. That's a good point. Shockingly, we spend a it's lot of time. It's too dirty for the soup. rats. Like we're out of here. Maybe that is it. Yeah, there are like dough rats. I didn't think of that till you said that rat piss. I'm like I didn't see one spot of rat piss in that building. Not that I could identify every single stain. Yeah, there's so many of them.
0: Yeah, Jesus. There's a nice uh, film I want to say on just about everything
1: some apartments are cleaner than others I wouldn't say that the apartment that Dante who is Maya's boyfriend lives in is clean by any standards it is it, it fits right into a fucking punk house it's a fucking punk house it is full of garbage and musical equipment and Christmas lights I don't know what it is with the Christmas lights and these people um, I, I guess I
0: just think it looks cool
1: I never put Christmas lights up in my room, but so many of my friends in high school had Christmas lights up in their room. And many of my friends right now do have Christmas lights up randomly. I just... I am... It's not my thing.
0: Kind of a a nice effect. I mean, I I like that they have... They're like the little white ones. They're not like the big multicolored bulb ones. I find those ones really... Glaring, yeah. Distracting.
1: There's a room full of Christmas lights if anyone's interested in um, rooms that look like the apartment we're trying to describe and going to do a bad job of. Um, my friend, Randy, my, my cousin, Jason's friend, Randy, his room was featured on an episode of American Pickers. Was it really? Yeah. Cause his father is a prime candidate for the show, American Pickers. And they started talking about like memorabilia and old like stuff from like, like old skateboards and stuff like that. Like Tony Hawk skateboards. Cool. And, uh, they're like, Oh, we should show you Randy's room. Randy wasn't home at the time, but Randy's room looks like this apartment. Fucking memorabilia skateboard shit guitars whatever the difference with randy's room is that a it's clean and b everything in there is probably worth more than the people in this film have ever made in their lives right so yeah randy's room is featured on an episode of american pickers you can probably go to youtube and type in american pickers randy's room and you'll see Mm -hmm. what this apartment looked like yeah
0: there's a lot of found furniture in this place it's Every inch of the walls has...
1: Graffiti and writing and sayings and suck my dick and 666. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like the set decorators probably found that more annoying than anything. They're just like, really? All the walls? I, if they I,
1: decorated. You know what? They I know. I could probably call up three or four people if they still have cell phones and find a fucking, a poor fucking place to film that looks... Just almost exactly like this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of why what drew me to this film is that it's not completely removed from my lifestyle or the fringes of my lifestyle. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's also a great reminder of why I don't really date punk boys anymore. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That was part of the beginning of my... The seeds of my wanting to see this so badly because it was this girl that was dating this guy and then finds out he's living in a squad, right? Squatting in a condemned building. Can't get more Romeo and Juliet than that.
0: Star-crossed.
1: Dante's bed, in fact, is made of fucking, what, packing slats? Or what do you call those things? They're skids. Skids, that's it, yeah.
0: (laughs) Pallets to some. Pallets, that's the word I was
1: looking for. (laughs) It was a whole bunch behind my house by the dumpster. Free wood. Free wood. Free bed. (laughs) It's like a futon. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of exactly like a futon. Let's not kid ourselves.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Yeah, you could sand it and varnish it and it would look like a futon that you're going to pay, you know,
0: $800 for. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But anyway. So this building, not only is it a a condemned shithole, what it is is full of a colorful cast of characters. And most of the colors go down the drain. It's great. We're introduced
1: to all of the other people that live there one by one. And as we're introduced to them, we're introduced to what they're putting down the drains. And it plants the seeds for what is brewing underneath of this building. And you could imagine any New York City sewer is probably some fucking similar.
0: It's funny because when I first watched this film earlier this week, I had no fucking idea what it was about at all, because not only did I not look it up because I'm thinking, why would I look it up? I have the movie in my hand. I'll just watch it, and I'll tell me what it's about. <laughs> um, so, yes. But I didn't even read the box. I like, love that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I just, you know, you give it to me, I bring it home, put it on my shelf, sit in there, and I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah, it's time to watch Condemned. Put it in. And so when I'm meeting this colorful cast of characters, I'm trying to figure out what type of horror movie am I watching? Because I have no idea. And I say, okay, you have a bunch of lovable idiots, okay, Uh, you have a colorful cast of characters, 'er ne'er-do-wells, people on the fringes, the underbelly, the wrong side of the tracks, even.
1: All my friends.
0: All your friends. And I'm the rich girl, like, what are all these weird people?
1: Oh. (laughs) I love when, like, she's walking around their apartment in bare feet and cleaning up, and I'm just like...
0: You gotta put that garbage somewhere,
1: dude. Anyway, yeah. So
0: these characters run the gamut of a guy that's lived in the building since the '70s, who's the super.
1: Yeah, Shinola.
0: Mm-hmm. He's not the, the he's not really, he's the super, I guess, because he keeps the lights on and he keeps the water running, and maybe he knows how to fix things, but he's quite insane.
1: He reminds me of the guy, the um, This Is Hell guy from House of Thousand Corpses, the yeah. encounter in the desert. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's pretty much es- that.
0: Especially with the start of the movie, he has this weird rant. And mm. I'm wondering what that even is. What is that? His opening monologue about... Do you think... Yeah, about, about a bird's nest, what comes first. The birds are the nest. And so is he basically just saying the people in the building are the building...
1: And we're all going to line up and spit in God's face.
0: Yeah. It's weird. It is
1: weird. It's super blasphemous fucking monologue. And it does set the stage in a way, though.
0: But again, it doesn't tell me what this movie is. And then when I'm seeing all these characters, for example, we, we meet him. Then we go upstairs. Well, here is Galt's room. And it's just a white door with the A. It looks like it's, it's red paint. Maybe it's supposed to look like blood and it's scary. Ooh. And it's got some angry music coming from the other side of the door and the light flickers. And I'm, and I'm saying to myself, like evil
1: German techno. Oh,
0: evil German techno. And I was like, oh, my God. And it's and it's and it's not like any song I recognize. So it's probably pretty evil. Right. And so I'm thinking, OK, so, OK, maybe the people that live there, they're scary. Well, they're not really scary. They're, uh, again, I mean, they're playing roles, but they're not dangerous. So, and then we're introduced to a lot of uh, drug addicts and uh, prostitutes and drug makers, like Cookie. Yeah, Tess and
1: Vince are the junkies that live up another floor
0: and... They're pretty I, hilarious junkies.
1: They're super hilarious junkies and very, very cookie cutter junkies. You know, they're very yeah. like downtown junkies and
0: yeah,
1: um, pretty high functioning because they're not homeless. They're not street involved by any means.
0: Uh, Vince seems way more high functioning yeah. than than Tess. But the the funny thing is, they're kind of um, a lot of the relationships between people in this movie are presented in interesting ways. Very different. There's a lot of different types of relationships that that which are here, which I
1: really love, and I do love the cast of characters. And as we were introduced, I started falling more in love with this film as I watched it, because there was it wasn't just, you know, someone who's never seen a drug addict before writing their caricature of a drug addict, then copy pasting it ten times, mm-hmm. or in with with Galt and Murphy. Murphy, yeah. it's not somebody taking like a. a lifestyle master-slave relationship Mm -hmm. and having never met anyone like that ever and then like copy pasting it Mm -hmm. once or twice to get these characters like it wasn't that wasn't what was going on these were very fully fleshed out and probably just based on people that the writer actually knew that's what Mm -hmm. i think anyway because that's the best way to write or make an amalgam
0: of a couple people you know right vince and tess what i liked about their relationship was the fact that they're they're a mess. Like, in terms of junkies, they're fucked. Yeah. But they're super cute together. I mean, they really like each other. Uh, maybe not as much as they like drugs, but they really <laughs> like each other. It's
1: a good thing they both like drugs so much. Yeah, I
0: know, right? Because yeah. it's just like, baby, is so great that we can, like, do the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that relationship. Looks so much in common. Yeah, and, and, and man, are they happy when they get those drugs. They are so cute.
1: They are super adorable. Yeah. Yeah, I have a little soft spot for Tess. Especially yeah. because... Um, to see the actress playing her, she plays her so convincingly that I couldn't imagine her looking any other way, mm-hmm. which is really
0: sad to Especially say. Especially the teeth the, and, and just the like hollowed the, the, eyes, the sunken face, yeah.
1: So, so thin where she looks like really so emaciated and just drug but then in real life, whether she's, you know three pounds heavier or not doesn't matter if she were three pounds lighter she looks great she looks beautiful she looks healthy and radiant which Mm -hmm. i'm so glad i got to see that Mm -hmm. because i couldn't have imagined her any other way she Mm -hmm. plays a junkie so fucking convincingly Mm -hmm. roxy and bigfoot are my other favorite tenants of the building
0: uh you want to talk about a weird pairing so you have bigfoot who i mean look If a dude is named Bigfoot, (laughs) do I really need to describe him to you?
1: Except that he's a Hasidic Jew.
0: He is a Hasidic (laughs) Jew. That's
1: the coolest part of
0: Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Roxy is his uh, ladyboy girlfriend. Prostitute. Prostitute. Yeah. Um, a great character. Uh, really well played.
1: Played by a dude named Kevin Smith Kirkwood. Uh, and I really, really love a guy that can cross-dress and be just as beautiful whether he's dressed up as a man or a woman. He's yeah. an extremely beautiful-looking guy. And to look at him in dress as a woman or dressed as, as a man doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not necessarily an androgynous-looking fella either. No, 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 no. He does it very, very well. and. Roxy is, like, super hot, in my mind. <laughs> Aside from being, like, a just fucking ruined drug addict prostitute. Yeah. She's really cute. I like Roxy a lot. Roxy's one of the most colorful characters in this.
0: Yeah, not only the fact is she wearing a bright pink dress and a massive blonde wig, she's also got this really flamboyant personality.
1: Super flamboyant and loves the hell out of Bigfoot, but he fucking smacks her around. Oh, my God. So it's
0: always d- hard to... To to I was like man you're smacking her around and shit
1: really violently too really violent
0: Bigfoot's got a nasty temper
1: a super nasty temper which makes them not seem to mesh because Roxy almost has like a southern hospitality streak in her let alone just being like sweet and doting and caring about Bigfoot and being a really probably a really good prostitute she seems to really know how to hustle and she's an amazing body. So, like, I could just see her being an excellent fucking prostitute.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then to see him smack her, oh, my God, is so angry-making in the four seconds that we really get to know them. Mm -hmm.
0: In the first four seconds. Especially since, like, and and what's interesting, uh, sorry, about these characters is that Bigfoot and Roxy, you get their story out in not a glaring way. It's not an exposition dump. You do understand in that one scene that Bigfoot was a married man with kids, and he's clearly very serious about his faith because he's still wearing his yarmulke and he still has his hair done that way. So, but there's, but I mean, there's this other factor where he he shoulders a lot of guilt for yeah.
1: living with and dating and being in love with. Um, a transvestite prostitute.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I would say that his anger probably has a lot to do with that, although he's probably a dude that has a temper anyways. But that heightened, plus the fact that he's also addicted to drugs.
1: We've talked longer about them and explained just as much that they do in the very few short introductory scenes we get. Because they do, the writing packs a lot of storyline. There's another Mm. good example of the way that the writing in this really fleshes out story um if you're paying attention uh there's a part where maya wakes up in the apartment because they go there after they blow off some steam going to a punk show or drinking or whatever they do uh-huh. and then they probably go to see loki's band play as probably I'm yeah. um she wakes up in the morning and she's sort of straightening up this fucking dump of an apartment and she steps on fortune cookie uh-huh. and that's all that we need to know that her friends also do drugs Mm-hmm. that it's, it doesn't really become apparent until later and it doesn't get mentioned till later uh, or that she does drugs or that she knows more about what's going on in that building. than she lets on all she does is step on a fortune cookie and we know that they do drugs because we've met cookie mm-hmm. cookie lives upstairs and doesn't want to get blow drugs from Tess anymore. Cause it makes his pee pee
0: on fire. Ugh. Um, <laughs> cookie is, uh, he cooks drugs and what he does is he puts them, he makes fortune cookies. He puts them inside the fortune cookie, a little baggy.
1: Yeah, like a little dime bag. And
0: and then he, that's how you get your drugs. He'll hand you fortune cookies. And so he's got the name cookie. Uh, so the fact that he is a very enterprising uh, drug dealer is one thing. The other thing about him is he has an obsession with a Hollywood singer performer actress and he wants to murder her and that's made very obvious by the fact that he's got a knife with her name on it and a bunch of pictures of her i don't wall.
1: know if he wants to murder her I, th- I think he just really thinks she's cute i don't i don't think that he was no you think he wants to kill her
0: yeah i'm convinced of it oh wow he's he wants to have all this money so he can go to Hollywood. So he can go and you know. I
1: thought he just wanted to be with her. You know, sort of like how people stalk Molly Ringwald. That's what I thought it was. It was just like just want to get to know her. Just want
0: to. Do people still stalk? And Tiffany,
1: people stalk Tiffany too. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah, for sure. I think they just want to like be with them. I met. I I know somebody who uh, feels like that about Jillian Anderson.
0: Really? Mm -hmm. When they're conventions,
1: they're like, I know I have to keep my distance, and I know. I know that this is all in my head, but I just feel a connection, and I just want to, like, I find myself wanting to go and, like, just stand close to her, and then maybe maybe just hug her a little bit, and then maybe just smell her.
0: I, yeah, I mean, geez.
1: That's what I thought, that's what I thought about Cookie, I didn't think he wanted to kill her, even though he had her name written on that knife.
0: Yeah, see, the closest thing for me is when I went to a convention, a comic book convention, I want to say like like a couple of years ago, I went to Auto, Con, It's the Ottawa Comic Book Convention. And uh, Nicole Dubois was there, and she's been in a bunch of things, and I really, really had a big crush on her as a teenager. And uh, she was over by the table, and there was no one in a line. I was, I was too nervous to talk to her. I couldn't. And all oh, my God. friends were like, there's no one here that knows more about her career than you do. And I was like, I can't talk to her. I'm too nervous. So I never talked to her.
1: I sort of fangirled with Brian from the Gossicles at his show. Because somebody's like, hey, you want to go talk to Brian? And I was like, nope. And I even just shocked myself with the abruptness and speed of my answer. I was like, nope, nope. And then I was like, I, I want to leave. Yes, <laughs> I was like, too to worded out. To word out. Um, that's the only time I've ever really like, fangirled. Mm-hmm. So I, I get what you mean there, but I don't know. I don't think that Cookie would have reacted like that, seeing this pop star that he was so enamored with.
0: Well, he kind of sees her because as he's cooking drugs, he sees a hallucination and it wigs out like perhaps your monitor was wigging out. It's weird.
1: What did you think of that? Because that's one thing that I, I... I'm neither here nor there over. I really like the style of this film. I like the lighting in this film. I like all the sound in this film. I like the the color decisions in this film a lot. um I like the the everything about this film, the way it was shot. I like the production of this film. I even like those weird pixelated fragment fucking artifact ridden almost there's parts where they're almost like pixel monsters in a way. Mm-hmm but the first time you see this effect used is with her she's a vision dancing in a hallway while after we've been introduced to cookie and it's showing him making drugs and stuff like that we also learned that he knows four languages yeah which i i kind of like cookie but anyway um she sort of like instead of like fritzing out in any sort of like dream sequence or morphing with like weird after effects techniques that people could use She sort of wigs out and morphs into this pixel, like she goes pixelated.
0: It's essentially... You would
1: think it's a glitch.
0: You would think it's a glitch. I think that, uh, so for the listeners who don't really know what we mean, imagine if any of you are on your computers and you're watching a video on your computer, you're doing anything on your computer and your graphics card is fucked this is the effect that they're using that's exactly what's happening and i think they do it because look in a world of filmmaking you make your choices and at some point they uh the director said this is what i want the effect to be because you got to pick something and second of all because a lot of people are watching these it's a digital experience we're watching this on our iphones and on our HDTVs and on our laptops and everything like that it probably could for a brief second make you think that there's something wrong with the movie your perception of reality is being as skewed as the characters in the film sort of like when
1: people would walk in when you're listening to nine inch nails fixed and they would say i think your cd is skipping exactly and you'd have a little laugh
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's that sort of, it, it's sort of like, um you know, you we were just talking about Gillian Anderson. Do you remember the episode of the X-Files where it was like evil cockroaches or something? No. There's,
1: Every-
0: a, there's yeah. an episode of where it's like bugs or whatever the fuck. Is it in the movie? No. evil bugs
1: in the movie.
0: Uh, no, it's not the bees in the movie. It, it was one of the episodes. Not the For bees. Some re- <laughs> For some reason in the episode, when Mulder and Scully are talking to each other after a big thing and kind of happened, like a revelation about the bugs... Whoever directed that episode is a fucking genius because he had or she had a bug crawl across, and it looks like when I was watching my television set, it looks like a a cockroach crawled from one end of my TV screen to the other, over top of the image. So, so like the characters are not acknowledging this because it looks like it would be crawling across your TV screen. And I've seen that fucking episode twice, and both times. I completely wigged the fuck out. I was like, because the first time I was like, oh oh, God. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I was like, I I almost got up to like, I got to go kill this bug. Yeah. And then the second, and then I was like, oh, oh, I think that was on the screen. Like, but I think it was, it's in the TV. (laughs) You know? And then the second time I saw that fucking episode, same reaction, except a little uh, muted. And then I was like, Oh, yeah, right, right, right. This is the episode where it does that thing.
1: And I wish you, the fly in the ring would do that to people, but it doesn't quite have that same
0: effect. That's a really cool fucking scene, too. Yeah. And that's an, also a really cool example of, let's use distortion of a classic television set to uh, a, a SDTV to yeah. to do anything. But I think in the world that we live in now, you can't have that type of effect anymore, unless it's specifically for Sadako, because she's the videotape monster. Yeah. But... um so yeah, I dig this effect. I think that it, it was a, a choice, an interesting choice. It's a good choice.
1: I think so too, and I can see a lot of people, um, like those that are want to leave reviews that are negative all over the internet about this film, uh, which I personally think is hilarious. And I'm so totally going to go to Internet Movie Database and read them all after because I haven't <laughs> like really. I only I stuck to mainstream press and the one Q&A I saw from fangoria mm-hmm. so now i'm going to just go devour all this negative press about this film because <laughs> i think it's hilarious the um strength and, yes and i'm definitely looking to see now specifically if people like bitch about this this decision which i i agree it is a it is a good decision and it's an artistic decision mm-hmm. uh, i could see people not understanding that looking at it and not getting why they would choose like um an artifact, or this like glitching out as the effect for these monsters, because there's a few scenes where they are becoming monsters, mm-hmm. and it's also you wouldn't organically be seeing somebody glitch out like that. Our eyes don't have pixels,
0: yeah, yet not yet,
1: and we don't like re- render down to RGB <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> We just don't. Um, so it isn't like a good organic to, de- to describe what's going on in their brains, which is like encephalopathy. Their brains are swelling inside, like sort of like the, like I'd said earlier, the first stages of rabies where you're having brain swelling and your, your eyes are going to wig out and you're going to hallucinate, hear things, have tremendous pressure behind the eyes and definitely have them be affected the visual effect in real life wouldn't be things pixelating mm-hmm. but whatever it's an artistic decision i really enjoyed that and we do see it a couple times as these people get further affected mm-hmm. by whatever is plaguing this fucking
0: building and the first time is always going to be the most jarring.
1: You mean like the first time? Because we're not really sure what's going on when and, we meet Cookie and this, and goes, we see this.
0: This goes back to what I was saying, where I, even at this point, I don't know what this movie is. I know that we're in a filthy building full of punkers and drug addicts and prostitutes and uh, two men very much in love with each other in a very unorthodox way. Um, but I think that... Uh, But but I'm just like, what is the hook here?
1: Even so, we do have scenes of Galt flushing what looks to be like a victim. At first I almost thought Galt was maybe not the tender teddy bear that he is. But Oh, I thought he like he was was a murderer. That's what I thought too. I, I
0: said, Oh, okay, this is the horror movie. This guy in this building is dangerous.
1: But no, not at all. Well, yes, Galt is dangerous, but dangerous in a, in a cuddly, sweet way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dangerous in the not unattractive way.
0: Yes, he's not unattractive. But
1: then we've seen him putting like some sort of blood or something down the drain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we also get to see him feed Murphy piss.
0: Um, that pee also goes into the drain, yeah. as pees want to do.
1: Uh, Bigfoot flushes Roxy's drugs down, or puts them down the sink. I think. Um, yep. There's whatever the fuck Cookie's making, which is basically we'll call it crocodile, because I don't know. I guess he's making math,
0: but I guess, but it looks like it looks like gak, or yeah. or like fucking something from like Nickelodeon. Like it's this bright orange. I guess that was green, but it's super iodine. Yeah, gross. and and he look he has to fucking wear a gas mask in order to mix this shit. So. It can't be great, yeah <laughs> whatever it is yeah
1: it's it's horrible, it's horrible stuff, uh, and it goes down the drain, yeah, and slops all over the floor and everything he's not fucking delicate about disposing of this disgusting Dude. byproduct um, that he's cooked off of whatever it is that he's selling that he's skimming off the top too he's he might know four languages and be a stalker slash maybe potential killer, but he's also like skimming off the top of his drug dealers or whatever whoever he's working for mm-hmm. there's a bunch of puke going down the drain because alejandro who we haven't really talked about we're only briefly introduced to alejandro anyway i think there's probably more to do with the character that was maybe on the cutting room floor yeah because he's not really fleshed out so much yeah. except that he eats a lot prays a lot and pukes a lot and shits a lot
0: he's very there's as much stuff coming in as is Coming out.
1: Yeah, there's like plates. We're like grody old tin plates and fucking any plates. All the dishes in his house are dirty, but they're lined up on the floor against the fucking floorboard, all with like various states of decay because he's eating meal after meal after meal after meal while laying on his mattress on the floor. And he's this big dude, and he's not feeling fucking good. Yeah. Pepto Bismol everywhere. Fucking yeah. votive candles and prayer, and,
0: and and he's screaming. Yeah, it's. He's having a bad time. And he's pain. covered
1: in boils. That's the other thing that we should mention.
0: Yeah, he is erupted in grody boils.
1: Yeah. There seems to be a boil on Shinola's head, the superintendent. Yeah. There's a, a boil begins to show up on Loki's back.
0: Mm-mm-mm. And a pretty grody scene where the zit is popped. I guess the boil is popped. Um, and he's not feeling great.
1: He might have chicken pox. That's what Maya
0: thinks. Yeah. Well... She's a good judge of character, and also a doctor, from what I understand.
1: She's an excellent housekeeper as well.
0: Yeah, it's true. Although she doesn't know where to throw garbage out, Galt gives her the riot act.
1: (laughs) I love that we've had an introduction to Galt where we thought he was a serial killer, and he also pees in his lover's dog dish, and then he fucking loses his shit on Maya. But it sets up. It sort of helped, probably helped explain to you a little bit more of what this movie is about and who these people are.
0: Mm. The idea that these people have no place to go, who have no money, who have no other means to survive, have to squat in this building, and it's all they have. And so it's an interesting community that has been created out of necessity, and they all work to maintain the building to, for them. So they don't like... Outsiders and they don't like the idea that Maya could possibly fucking blow this ho- blow the whistle on this thing by mm-hmm. putting garbage out front of the curb. Well, then would that not bring people here? If yeah, would... the
1: garbage man came, then that means people live here and people aren't supposed to be living here, so they know people live here, they're gonna shut it fucking down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and, Galt's
1: very concerned about this Galt's angry
0: Yeah, I think that again this is the persona that he builds up his Dom persona is the one that he has on for most of the film it breaks in two key scenes but his Dom persona that he has is what he is doing to ensure to essentially scare Maya into just following the rules of the building the rule of the building is Shh, keep your shit quiet Pretty much. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, look, as a dude, a a dude so into the lifestyle, I could see how he's like, this is just how I communicate. And this is how I get my point across. And she, you know what? If she's scared of me, she'll listen to me. That's kind of maybe where he's at.
1: Pretty much. Because part of his um, being a lifestyle dom... Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't extend to other people. That that is whatsoever. So that, I think
0: he's just like this. Well, I know, but but I, the only reason why I say that is because of the fact that if he never broke character, quote unquote. Yes, I would agree with you because I, I was like, this is not how a lot. Like, I was like, this is an agreement between two people or, or however many people, but like, and I was like, yeah, you're right. Like an outsider.
1: I have a theory about your um position that he breaks character. I think he breaks character. I have a theory about that.
0: Go
1: ahead. Maybe we should get into the film a little more. Uh, okay. Yeah, because it has more to do with the end, and I don't want to keep talking about the end until we get there. Okay. Yeah.
0: So we'll put that in the back burner. It's bubbling.
1: It's bubbling like a pot of fucking cookies, drugs on the stove.
0: Yep. Um... Where are we at? So, poor Loki is not feeling good. Not at all. Oh, he's a little sticky baby. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's kind of cute because he definitely is one of those guys who's like, I'm sick. Oh. She thinks
1: I have chicken pox.
0: Oh, I want to go to the hospital. I just want to stay here, guys. Oh. so
1: cute. And his friends take care of him. And I forget that people don't wake up at 6.30 in the morning or earlier. <laughs> And when they're like, oh, damn, the clinic's probably closed. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I realize it's dark outside because these people don't wake up till four in the afternoon, which is, I guess, what young people who go out at night are supposed to do, even though we've established that we stay up often till three, four in the morning.
0: I was, I was out until three yesterday, and then I woke up at seven today. That's just what happens.
1: <laughs> like, we don't wake up at four in the afternoon. We're old, though. Partially, but I was always like that. You know, I was I was really always like that. I've never really slept past noon. And if I did, I felt like I was on fucking ass and I hated every minute of it. (laughs) So sleep until it's dark out again. It's just not my style. And I tend to forget that this is the style by and large of young people today. So they can't get to a clinic. They don't know what's wrong with Loki. Loki's so punk rock. He doesn't really care. Just pop the boils on my back. I'm good to go. Oh, man. He curl up with a a blanket.
0: He fucking pukes and smashes a glass in his hand. I love that scene so much. And everyone is so fucking thrilled because they're just like, that was so punk rock. I'm like, fuck, man. You guys are adorable.
1: (laughs) I love that scene way too much. And that's yet another, like, I think a neat writing. And I wonder if it was 100% intentional. It must have been sugar glass. It must have been sugar glass. Oh, for sure. But I, I do. I love that scene very, yeah, that's very much. It's a good one. Much. Uh, I'd like to think that it's something that somebody actually saw happen once in real life.
0: Like a dude just sort of stand up, vomit, smash a glass in his hand because of the intensity of his projectile vomit.
1: Like the time I saw a girl stagger into a bathroom, trip, Fall hit her head on this big long countertop and her fucking jet puke went behind the sink, up, and it's all mirrored, so it went behind the sink and down the fucking countertop and hit a mirror at the end and i could see her watch it and the puke splashed up the wall and landed on her and i couldn't stop laughing i didn't even i had to turn around and walk out of the bathroom because it was too funny i couldn't even help her it was so funny but it was double funny to me to watch her eyes watch her puke do this it was really neat um I'd like to think that I could write that into a film someday. Or oh, a it. podcast.
0: Well, it's all—it's in there. Locked mm. and loaded for all time.
1: Lovely stuff. Puke. So his girlfriend, who works at a job somewhere, like a yeah. normal person, which is good, because mm-hmm. they're saving a lot of money by paying no rent. I like this, uh, yeah. this yeah, arrangement. That's yeah, it's um, true.
0: It's like, how, do you, how are you still broke when you have no rent? Anyway, whatever.
1: Yeah, no, what, whatever's right. Um, she comes home and... Sucks up to Loki a little bit and goes and has a shower. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: Wes had pointed out that why are they worried that she's going to kiss him and get sick with whatever he has when they've been cuddled up with him on the couch all day? Well, they, could, I,
0: they couldn't they could be sitting any closer to him than if they were lying on top of him naked. Just in like a big pile of bodies. Mm-hmm. Because because Alexa, she comes in and sits on his lap, gives him a kiss. Oh, baby, you're so sick. He's like, I got chicken pox. Anyways... So, the, and 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 Maya's just like, now don't get too close to him. He's sick. I'm like, you are fucking lying against him right now, like right this and having all day. Yeah, it's like you. The three of you have just been sitting on this tiny ass fucking couch with no feet, just watching TV all day. This is what you've been doing. So don't. <laughs> she literally just got home, kissed her boyfriend. Fucking chill out. It's just weird to me.
1: Yeah, it is totally weird. And you've been with him all day, so whatever it is that he has, you have, whether you've been laying on top of him or not.
0: Yeah, and unless you're going to quarantine him, you're all going to get it anyways. Yeah. At this point, we think that this uh, little sickness is going to go away.
1: And they don't know that it seems that other people are afflicted. They have no idea what's going on in Alejandro's house. They have no idea what's going on with Shinola, because he's basically come out and barked orders for them to get him duct tape
0: and wd-40 yeah
1: (laughs) that's like all they've heard of him there's a guy down the hall that only opens his mail slot and closes it again that's just what they have always known of him yeah
0: and and a light turns on like he turns on the light every time someone walks past
1: yeah which is cool yeah is cool you can see better he's probably videotaping them i wouldn't blame him his neighbors are fucked they don't know what they would never be able to tell if Vince and Tass are sick because they're junkies. Um, Cookie decides to leave. He has a drug deal to make. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what's going on with, with Cookie, although we've already seen he's the first person to really exhibit symptoms outside of Loki. Loki's sick and he's got boils and he keeps saying that his head is, his brain is exploding in his head and stuff like that. So he's having definite problems. But Cookie has shown symptoms, but he walked out of the apartment building oh. and lock the
0: door lock the door um this is the weirdest move now i know that it didn't jump for you the first time you watched it i guess no it didn't but for me and i understand yes the door is locked so basically what cookie does is he's got three bike locks that are in his apartment and when he he took one bag of his uh fortune cookies and another bag of fortune cookies Oh sorry, and another bag of money I think and he put it in the, the wall on the wall, yeah. Then he took two bags of fortune cookies and he was taking them to make whatever drug dealer is going to. Then he locked his apartment door. Then when he left the building, he pad- he triple padlocked that building or that the, the main entrance to the to the condemned building. The only thing I can think of is he's so paranoid about somebody trying to Break into his place and take the drugs that he is hiding. That's the only reason why I can think about why he triple locked the door. Then he even left, he wrote a note because he had forgotten, Oh, I wrote a note and I'm going to be gone for one hour. And he put it, he stuffed it into the door so whoever could see that they can't get out. Yeah, they're like, going to oh, be
1: locked in this apartment for, building
0: for an hour. For an hour. And then Cookie will come back and then that's the end of it. Um. Well, Cookie is outside for oh f- two minutes. Not even thirty seconds, maybe. And yeah. he and he gets ran the fuck over with a Wilhelm scream too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank by, God, I love it I by love the it.
0: by the Stoner Cops.
1: Yeah, NYPD's finest.
0: Yeah, they're very stoned. So much so that. They're clearly hotboxing their squad car, and they have, like, big sunglasses on in the middle of the night, and just a massive joint just hanging out of one of their mouths. They're like, uh, just kill the guy, and then they just drive away. Which is kind of hilarious. It's pretty funny. Um, it also is a message. Like, it's, a, it's like, this is what I think of cops, or at least this is what I think of these cops. It's
1: partially, and it's kind of hilarious that the whole problem with this condemned building is ultimately futile because nobody is paying fucking attention they could be coming in and out of there all the time there's probably no need for cookie to have locked the door if the cops are sitting outside of it hot boxing their squad car running people over and not giving a fuck
0: yeah this is presented a very down and dirty new york where life is cheap
1: it's not necessarily like a plot hole it's just something that made me think you know there's no point for You know, Galt's big freak out, the cookie locking the door, everyone being so goddamn paranoid, them not being able to put the garbage out on the curb and having to throw it in the alley, which isn't, like, that unnoticeable, I suppose. It doesn't really matter. Where anyone else watching this movie just hates all of the whole movie, that's the only part that I thought was a little bit weak. Well, there's another scene that I thought was weak, but that was one of the only
0: ones. This, yeah, I mean, I can't really come up with a, a better reason to lock the building out other than the fact that, I don't know, like maybe you could have a a, a reason that... If Cookie would have said to them, you know, I got hundreds of thousands of dollars
1: in here and a whole bunch of drugs and like shit. And I'm going to do a big touchy deal with someone who doesn't fucking like me. And... I'm fucking stealing from them anyway, so here's a bunch of fucking drugs, guys. I'm going to lock you in for an hour. That probably would have went over a lot better, and we probably would have swallowed
0: it a little better. Uh, But not only that, but, like, if this shit didn't go down, I bet you no one in that fucking building would have even noticed. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, those people – you got people in the building that never leave the building. Most of them. And then you have people in the building that are just – like, the only people that I could think of that might leave – is Loki and Alexa and... Uh, Maya and Dante? Because they they might have a show. Yeah. That's the only people that I could think of that would leave at night.
1: Yeah. Well, that kind of sucks for our fucking main cast characters, doesn't it? Because everyone else in this building, you're right, wouldn't even notice. That didn't even dawn on me. Like... Yeah. You know, I, we lock... Here in this house, we lock each other in the house all the time, but we all have keys. That's a difference. Nobody in this fucking building seems to have keys because... What's locked Cookie, from the outside. Yeah, Cookie used his own locks. Yeah. And there's no other entrance or exit?
0: That's the other thing I didn't really understand. Look, there has to be... Well, there's a the
1: window that Galt made Maya throw the garbage out of, but I yeah. guess that's third floor.
0: But there has to be other rooms that you can get into... On the first floor, on the second floor. All
1: the fire escapes and everything were probably removed by the people that live there so that no one could come in or out because they want to live there semi-securely. Yeah. They probably have secured the building entirely. That Mm -hmm. was probably Shinola's job. Go around and fucking nail every window shut on the first and second floor. Mm. So yeah, let's suspend disbelief and say that they made sure it's a fucking fortress.
0: There's no way out. Alexa is sort of chilling out and everyone's just sort of chilling out. Uh, Loki gets up and just starts wailing on her. Yeah, his comic book said, hurt me. <laughs> yeah, over and over and over again. Yeah. And then he just gets up and punches her like, like five times. And and everyone gets up and everyone's in a panic. Uh, Alexa is instantly just like, I'm fucking... She doesn't even say anything. She, she just get the fuck off me. And then she goes into her room and faster than Superman is in fucking clothes and is out.
1: Yeah, and what would you expect, you know? Yeah, exactly. Fully expectable. Because you don't
0: know know what the fuck just happened. This is the second time Loki has had a fairly significant freakout. The first one was just him wigging out and, and having his hallucinations, seeing those pixelated monsters. And, but then he got his clarity again, and then didn't even know what anyone was talking about. It was like a fever. It was... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if if you've ever hallucinated having a fever, children do it more often than adults, and you Mm -hmm. have to be pretty goddamn sick with a pretty high goddamn fever. Mm -hmm. Uh, A brain-boiling fever, and that's what's happening to Loki. It's nice that the first really explosive violence we get, we've gotten some violence from Bigfoot, who we know is super violent and angry person and Mm -hmm. and beats up his girlfriend all the time. Um, very terribly, but it's not quite with that level of explosive violence that we get here in this scene. And we have that potential for explosive violence coming from Galt, who we expect to just go fucking berserk any moment. Yeah. He's
0: coiled spring, which is a term that we use a lot. Yeah. Definitely what he's got going on.
1: Certainly. Um, Sort of like, like what people would expect to see from Henry Rollins if he was in a snit and had the vein popping out in his oh, forehead God, and stuff. Yeah. You could expect that he's just <laughs> going to put his fist right through a brick wall yeah. any minute. That sort of like explosive violence you're expecting from Galton you don't mm-hmm. really get.
0: Loki is a very passive guy and a very sweet dude. Very
1: it- sweet. And he's been like whining and moaning and curled up with a blanket. And he is, he's very self-spoken.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just like, you know, does his punk thing and then he comes home and he's... Yeah, he's quiet, like lazy, almost like lazy in his speech, and and is just a dude that if you plopped him down on a couch, even if he was feeling 100%, you could probably leave for 12 hours and come back, and he's sitting in that exact same spot. Yeah. Just strumming his Gene Simmons guitar, which he's quite fond of. It's a bass guitar. It's a bass guitar, yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think you strum quite as much.
0: Strum, strum, strum. Did you slap it?
1: (laughs) I don't know if you can get away with slapping. It's a BC rich. So I think you. I don't, I don't know what, you don't strum it and I don't think you nope, slap it. It might slap it, you slap back.
0: It, slap it. It's pretty
1: insane looking.
0: It's a, it's a, it looks like a literal axe.
1: For such a sweetheart of a guy and I love um, the, the small spotlight that there is on people of color in the punk scene because it used to be very fucking rare. Not so rare anymore. Um, this guy, Honor Titus, who plays Loki, is in a band that provides quite a bit of the incidental music and the introductory song and the closing credit song mm-hmm. from his punk band cerebral ballsy yeah, it's
0: good tunes i like them
1: very good songs um the opening song cutting class i like quite a I, bit i like
0: i like that song a lot actually
1: the end song is called the puke song
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you know what pretty appropriate for this flick
1: very appropriate for this flick um so i really like he is such a gentle person but he fucking beats alexa up so violently it's it's scary
0: yeah and this is a good point in the movie like we know things are wrong because we can we're getting a a, a a vantage point from a lot of different characters but this is the first time that we're really seeing a character that has been established one way that is 100 percent acting not like himself mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. know bigfoot he's hitting his his uh his girlfriend yeah, because he's a piece of shit, and he that's is a piece of shit. And, and that's what he's gonna do. Loki's not a piece of shit that hits his lady. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Not and, at all. And so, what the fuck is happening now? This is when it all comes to a head. Uh, Alexa wants to leave. They need to get Loki to a hospital, and then they go to the front door the door's fucking locked. And now tensions flare because one of the things that I like about these characters in this movie, aside from the fact that every room, every character tells a story and uh, they seem very dense in in these characters, it's not like this character's here to deliver a line, although there is a character that's like that. (laughs) But um, these characters have a lot of riches. And one of the things about junkies and some prostitutes and everyone who's all strung out all the time is, man, when little things go wrong, they just instantly erupt into just screaming and yelling and, like, this one psycho fuck family all living in this building together, which is what they really are.
1: They basically are, yeah. Um,
0: And then watching them, like, just start screaming at each other. And these types of fights seem super authentic because... Oh, my God, we can't get out. What the fuck? Where's Cookie? Uh, the, uh, Vince and, and, and Tess come downstairs. And so you know they had to be fucking hollering because they're on the the, the top floor, right? So they come down and, and fucking uh, Galt's there. And Galt's just, like, drinking vodka and at the, yelling at the fucking tops of the stairs and shit like that. He punctuates
1: his argument by smashing the vodka bottle on the I know. He's whole... yeah. because
0: Because uh, Maya sees that so bigfoot comes down with an axe yeah and dragging an axe and and looking super scary one of the things about bigfoot is he's presented from the get-go as like a fucking scary dude like he reminds me of like a big scary dad you know what i mean like someone that just might fucking slap you at any minute because he is that type of guy yeah and so when you see him (laughs) first we see him uh where do you get the axe well he's chopping wood (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like upstairs because I guess you know if you're heating the building you probably have Oh, a, 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 yeah, running
1: the broiler with the fucking running the boiler with chopped wood I, I don't guess. know where they're
0: getting wood from but whatever but that's what he's doing I think it was more like well he has an axe now and I'm like I'm fine with that they do little hints about where characters are getting imp- their implements basically yeah. they always do a little oh this is where that character got that this character got that I'm mean, like cool uh I like a little foreshadowing like that. It's nice touches. It is. Uh, Bigfoot comes down and he looks fucking dangerous. And he's s- saying nonsense because he's like, you've been talking about me. He, he's, 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 I it, see it, them. There's cameras everywhere. Yeah, it's cameras everywhere. It's like, you're talking about me. And he's like, where's Roxy? What's she been telling you? Um, Because we saw like this thing where you're not even sure if it's a hallucination, but a, a Bigfoot choked out Roxy in the tub and scared the living hell out of her Yeah. and has no recollection of doing it. If maybe Roxy imagined it, we're not even sure, but it didn't seem like a hallucination because there was no effect. Right. And yeah. if there, if it was a hallucination, so he did that, he choked her into fucking unconsciousness and then thought that she had passed out because, you know, they... probably thought she was on drugs because she yeah. forgot what he'd done to her. Yeah. And, and, and that was like the one time where he was like, kind of sweet Even though, like, you know that he's a fucking piece of shit rageaholic. And so, the reason why I'm talking so much about this is because of the fact that when you see him with that axe very slowly lumbering down the stairs, he seems the absolute most fucking dangerous person in that building.
1: Yeah, we've forgotten that we almost thought that Galt was a serial killer. Yeah. You know, he's no threat
0: anymore. Actually, we like Galt but yeah, you know, Even yeah. though he's
1: been nothing but an ass. Yeah, I, like,
0: I, I like him. I like he, him he definitely, he definitely is like, he's all bark and no bite.
1: He's like the dad. Yeah. He's like the the, the nice dad, where Bigfoot is a scary dad. Scary
0: gross, like a scary he's dad. He's a foster or like, home dad. Yeah, like fucking gross. Like, just so yeah. scary. And... He, um, uh, not Vince, um, Dante, Dante,
1: Dante has, picks up a pipe and says,
0: I got a pipe and a great line. I like this. A Bigfoot says, you're going to need it. (laughs) Uh, and I was like, that's a good line. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Dante cracks him in the, in the face, but then he starts choking out. Uh, and puking
1: and foaming, and... puking
0: and foaming, and he's choking. And because Roxy distracts him, he, like because he's like Roxy, you bitch, and he was gonna hit her, and then uh, Dante knocked him out. Now, mm-hmm. in, in a very uh, authentic argument, screaming match arguments, too subtle. It's a screaming match, is when everyone's flipping out because Maya wants to call the doctor. So somebody, we have to call somebody. This man is choking on his own vomit.
1: Yeah, she pulls out her fucking cell phone, and basically everybody that lives there is like, "What is she doing? Put yeah. that
0: away." Because, like, Galt screaming, uh, Vincent Tess aren't really saying anything, but they look super worried, and and Dante kind of goes into this long, uh, speech about well, not long speech, but he goes into a bit of a speech about the if we call the cops, this is it for these people. This is all they have. This shithole that. You know, everyone thinks it's so dirty and everything thinks it's so gross. This is literally all they fucking have. And so if we do that, then they'll have literally nothing. They already have nothing. In a sense, but now they will actually 100% have fucking nothing, and they'll be out on the street. Now,
1: the foyer and the landing are full of fucking people that live there, yeah. and we're forgetting, of course, that there's three people that are absent. Shinola is in the apartment beside them, probably listening to every word that's being said. The guy that lives in the guy that turns the light on and looks through his mail flap, mm-hmm. and Alejandro's yeah. upstairs somewhere.
0: Yeah. So, and then and then uh, in a little in a little tussle. Uh, Maya's phone gets fucking broken and she has like a very genuine reaction like because her phone I mean she's she's a a woman who's come from means and stuff like that but like the phone is like your lifeblood right and she's (sighs) always holding it
1: Kind of, yes, like a typical girl. And, I mean, I'm always holding my phone, too. My phone costs just as much as her phone does, and I've dropped my phone once, and I just said, fuck, I didn't have that kind of freak out.
0: Yeah, but in a world in which this is the type of people that are always freaking out like this, plus, like, it's a high-stress situation, I totally buy that her reaction, I thought it was super authentic, because, like, I've definitely seen people freak the fuck out when somebody else is responsible for their phone being broken. And not only that, but she's like, I ran away from home, I can't afford to get a new fucking phone. Although yeah,
1: I didn't take that into account. And also, I'd never have anyone else. In, I've never been in a situation where someone else would break my
0: phone. Look, if you were to break my phone, I would think this would be the end of the show. Because I feel like if I'm not touching my phone at any given time, my heart will stop. Would I'm you like, swap
1: me with the plastic protector that you still have in your hand?
0: I feel like that was probably a choice made up in the moment. And I love that. I did like because that. Because she's like, now I have my cute pink... Phone cover and I mean, yeah, Yeah. throw it at your face. Galt, uh, this is the first time Galt really kind of loses his persona when he just realizes that yelling and screaming and smashing bottles isn't getting his way. Because one of the things that this is revealing is that Galt is super afraid of being kicked out of this building and like being on the street because he he doesn't have anywhere else to go, right? So. You know, he kind of gets a little... um, I'm curious about his employable skills.
1: You know, he looks very, very good in that uh, rubber apron.
0: Yeah.
1: And he obviously got a rubber apron somewhere. And they're not cheap unless you're given as a part of your work. You don't
0: get physiques like those dudes by working out at home. Like, I'm sorry. Like, they have a gym membership. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: still... I think that they just work out with one another and, you know, do push-ups with the other on his back. And they bench press one another. I I swear you can get a physique like that at home.
0: Okay, well, it sounds sexy when you say it, so maybe.
1: It sounds, it's sexy when you think about it, right? It's
0: sexy when you, but they got to also yeah. buy a lot of protein powder and something. No, you don't. They, no, you they, don't. No, you what,
1: don't. What, those
0: guys, they're so, they got like They're a, probably eating people, dude. They got a super riveted body. That is so much fucking protein. <laughs>
1: yeah, you can get lots of protein from humans.
0: I don't know anything about that.
1: I know a lot about it.
0: <laughs> he gets a little blubbery, though, Galt, and, and he's like, I oh, you know. I like, a- <laughs> it's kind of adorable. It is kind of adorable because his guy liners running at this point.
1: <laughs> so you, you, you—if you, you're paying attention to this film, if you're not just sitting down in front of it to hate it, you will like golf more and more and more as his character falls further and further apart. Um, I also, I also think that here because we've seen a few examples right now of when people are becoming infected with whatever it is in, is infecting them, because that's not entirely clear. It's just this mush. It's sort of like the thing that the Joker is making in Batman, where it's just this. Smile Yeah. You're combining some fucking shit that shouldn't be combined, or maybe you combine by accident and it, you know, infects you. <laughs> so it's all this piss, blood, puke, jizz, fucking drugs. And
0: the stuff Cookie was making, Yeah,
1: yeah. The byproducts of drugs, just with the rat piss, as you put it. Yeah, probably some extra rat piss. Although we see no rats, so we can either confirm nor deny there is rat piss in the mix. We'll assume there is because it's New York. There's probably alligator eggs,
0: alligator eggs, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the whole basement full Most of them. <laughs> definitely.
1: Uh, crocodile eggs. Is it alligators or crocodiles in New York?
0: In I, I heard it's crocodiles, crocodiles.
1: In okay, yeah, crocodiles okay, in so, so alligators. And (laughs) just to be contrary, because I like this movie just to be contrary,
0: right? She's saying that with the bile. She's saying that is because I mildly suggested that she likes this movie so much because everyone hates it. Mildly. And
1: I saw it coming, too. So I planned this. I (laughs) I planned planned to
0: get really upset.
1: I planned to like a movie everyone hated. If everyone would have liked this, I'd fucking hate it.
0: If everyone was talking about it on Facebook all the time,
1: the world doesn't work like that in my brain. I'm sorry. I like what I like. So, crocagators. gators. Gotcha. Eggs. Who knows what's in this mix that is infecting people? But the one thing that we do know that it does is it turns you into something that you're not. It makes um, very calm and docile people extremely aggressive and violent. It seemed to almost make Bigfoot. ...somewhat docile for a second... ...because he's extremely aggressive... ...and I think that his one second of misgiving... ...with Roxy... ...and his almost worry about her... ...for one split second... ...was part of the infection taking hold...
0: Mm -hmm.
1: ...I almost think that part of Galt... ...like being that... ...alpha... ...aggressive... ...straightforward... ...loud... ...on that fucking hair trigger... ...of violence... I think that him getting a little blubbery was the beginning of his infection. I you, really you do. Hear yeah, because later on we see Galt have a total slip. His his character does completely drop into a total weepy teddy bear almost. Mm-hmm. A sucky. The one thing we have in common, boyfriends. <laughs> it's so fucking cute. It's so precious. But I think that that's his not his persona slipping necessarily i think that that is the illness bringing something he's not at all out of him because we don't get a shred of that did you see his pep talk to himself in the mirror was it about boyfriends and being sad that he you know he has nowhere else to live
0: no Galt does not give
1: a shit about those things
0: i feel like he does though i feel like we got the got right in there
1: I don't know. I think that it's the infection making Galt talk like that. I really do.
0: I think it's the infection that has broken his Dom persona. That's what I think.
1: I don't think it's a Dom persona. I think that's his personality through and through. I think that he just found a perfect boyfriend, that's all. In Murphy. Yeah.
0: Now, after this whole escapade in the basement or in the foyer, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: everyone the pace of the film instantly picks up because everyone's trying to find other people. Alexa goes up to try to find her boyfriend, Loki. They're both gone. We don't know where he is. We've got to search for him. Vince and Tess uh, have uh, agitated for sure. Vince and Dante get into a brief struggle. But then, almost like brothers, after they like are almost coming to fucking blows and screaming at each other, He's like, you got to come help me. Go find uh, Loki. Like <laughs> Vince is like, you don't know I even mean? apologize, and then he goes anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're gonna reach a scene in the movie that, for lack of a better term, I hate.
1: It defies description in a way because we don't know exactly what happened.
0: We do not. So Loki is not present after they get back to the apartment. They they can't find. Alexa,
1: I think Maya's sort of looking around the apartment in a way that is supposed to tell us that it's in a state of disarray. But it was in a state of disarray, so I can't tell. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Christmas lights are a little extra skewed.
0: Mm-hmm. But It's hard to say with those Christmas lights. Yeah, Tess comes bursting in because she and Vince had been left upstairs to their own devices. Vince had apparently wigged out and attacked her. She didn't see- think like it was a big deal. She does have a wound on her head. Dante goes looking for Alexa and then gets stabbed in the 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 chesticle and he bleeds a lot but it doesn't really seem to slow him down and holy fucking shit Alexa is holding a knife and freaking the fuck out which descends into fuck what would you say they close they so Maya And Tess and Dante and Alexa are in the apartment. And Tess is standing by the door. And then all of a sudden, Loki breaks down the door, grabs Tess, and tries to pull her by her hair out. Maya is grabbing, like, what would you say? Uh, Tess's ankle. And Alexa is grabbing Dante? Is that what's happening? And, 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 And Dante is holding onto Maya. And she's getting pulled. Like, it almost... I, I shit you not. When I was first watching this movie, I was like, is someone literally going to get pulled apart?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for it. Because
0: they were even kind of doing like that sound effect that sa- that the, the Foley work sounded like the bodies, like they were getting ready to pull limbs off. Like that That sort Someone's of- Someone's
1: getting quartered by horses. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. And and, and uh, nope. And we don't know what happened. Because when a scene stops making sense, fade to black- and then the lights have gone out. Tess is gone, Loki's gone, Alexa's gone. Dante and Maya are together out of harm's way.
1: For a moment.
0: For a moment. And and, and I just the scene is so fucking weird.
1: It makes absolutely no sense.
0: And and you had said rightfully so that they could have put anything in that scene they could have not had that scene because the next real
1: thing that happens is loki pops up out of a pile of garbage in the corner
0: (laughs) looking has a great look to him because by the way when we see loki now the entire side of his head is fucked i mean you want to talk trauma he looks like the fucking toxic crusader
1: does really it's got one eyeball hanging out he's got just gore hanging off of him oh
0: absolutely and he's got he's not wearing a shirt He's wearing a leather-studded jacket over that, and then he's got Gene Simmons' bass guitar in one hand, pops up out of the garbage like he's a fucking Muppet, pukes, and then just yells, let's "Let's jam! jam! It's right (laughs) out of a comic book. So fucking awesome. (laughs) And, And honestly, at this point, when I got to this point in the movie, I was like, I really like Loki's... Look, I like this character that they've made. The, the 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 fucking cartoonish bass guitar he's got, the very iconic punk look that he's got and the gore effects on his face and the fact that he's doing like a little catchphrase. I, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Like this is like a fucking I was like, now I want uh, like fucking eight sequels with just that guy doing stuff right totally he could either be a slasher he could be solving mysteries i don't care just like something solving a mystery i don't know like he's like you know like scooby-doo or something like maybe he could help out scooby and the gang there you go condemned scooby-doo crossover like when they met the harlem gold trotters and shit like that yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) no totally i follow i follow yeah The only problem with that scene is the scene preceding it and that we don't know what the fuck was going on. No. And then it faded to black and Mm -hmm. then there was a very quiet lull moment for like 0.4 seconds. Yeah, not long at all. Where Dante and Maya are, like you said, out of harm's way and everything's kosher and they might as well just have Vivaldi spring playing in the background. (laughs) But we have fucking punk monster popping out of the trash with his fucking B.C. Rich stating let's jam. (laughs) 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 great. It's just such a mess in that one bit. And it's not like a mess to the point where it makes you write off the film at all because you've got this uh, amazing, iconic, punk, zombie, infected crusader (laughs) (laughs) to fucking fix it. (laughs) And the rest of the movie is like in that ilk. It's awesome that way. I love every single moment from here on in. Mm -hmm. But... It's that like you're sort of like whoa wait what the fuck just happened and not in that whoa the, what the fuck just happened in a good way because when Loki Loki pops out of the garbage you're kind of like whoa what the fuck just happened in a good way mm-hmm. but you just don't know what happened the plot sort of it, it, has uh, an aneurysm there uh, uh, for honestly a it
0: just struck me as we're starting again
1: is that what it's supposed to be the same way that the the glitch effect when the when people's minds are boiling over and we get this artifact glitch fucking mm-hmm. render problem is this another where we're supposed to as the audience have had a small aneurysm
0: well there is there's is missing time yeah is a is a common symptom that everyone's experiencing yeah when they're at their fevered hallucinations they don't know what the fuck's going on they don't know where they are what they've been doing And so, is that what
1: it's supposed to be doing to us? Like, I'm sorry to say, it didn't work. But
0: I don't know if that's intentional. It could be. And and if I wanted to leave the benefit of the doubt on the filmmakers, yes, okay, sure, we'll go with that. But I honestly just feel like we're resetting. We're resetting because this starts what the final, the final sequence of the movie, which is everyone's infected everyone is their own slasher character basically
1: basically yeah
0: you know it's like fucking imagine like vince is turned into like fucking like tom cruise from risky business fusioned with like fucking jack nicholson from the shining (laughs)
1: <laughs> with the added benefit of his fucking intestines spilling out of
0: him yeah you know what i loved about that scene because here's the interesting thing because this is a, really goes into other symptoms that we've seen these people zombie is not the right word although it's close they we can't see,
1: help but use it or think it
0: because they look very grotesque they're not dead they're infected but they can take inhuman amounts of damage and and not only that, but they seem kind of mushy, because uh, because uh, I mean, Alexa Alexa's uh, first of all, she has a good, she's done some interesting choices with her slasher character. It's very sharp. It's, uh, it's a lot of jerky motions when she's running, uh, and and when she's stabbing, she's got the knife. Um, it's
1: a lot of stabbing. I like her for the stabbing, and I love the foley work. Uh, it's gushy, with yeah. the stabbing. It's gushy. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, the the CGI you can hear it on the bone. They use a lot of gore effects, a lot of practical effects. You know, it's funny that they say that, oh, the people working on the special effects should go and do better movies. I'm like, well, isn't the point of the special effects to elevate this movie because it's a special effects-driven film? And I think it does. Yeah. So I, I don't think... Yeah, I mean, it'd be great... Like, in a world of preference, wouldn't it be great if everyone who worked on this film went and did something with more money? And what
1: movie would you like to see them in that you're going to review? The Hollywood Reporter variety or the LA Times?
0: Yeah, like, what do you want them to see? Like You're going to fucking
1: rip it apart, too?
0: Yeah, because the people who do, like, popping gushy gore effects are probably happy doing that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just guessing, but... I think
1: that whoever did the effects, and I forget the guy's name, uh, was very, very happy to have worked on this film.
0: Yeah. So, that's neither here nor there, just to, wh- where my mind went. Same here. But, um, so, the, the special effects are really good. What I really dug about Vince getting disemboweled was the fact that when Loki was laughing at him for the fact, he's like, ah, your fucking guts. guts and are on the floor. floor man. He ties it in a knot. And then Vince like a possessive junkie who thinks people are going to steal from him or something like that. He's like, don't touch my shit! Don't touch my shit! <laughs> like, like he's talking about, like, his fucking stack of porno or something like that. Like, it's he's literally collecting his intestines and trying to like stuff them back in his fucking body it's
1: kind of brilliant writing in a way that it is exactly that it is exactly him being possessed I and mean, keeping what he has yeah because like it's we've been told these people don't have a lot and all they really have as far as yeah lodging is this place and all they have is their drug addictions and their relationships with one another or in Vince's case his guts so he's trying to recollect those, which is hilarious. and that's when you're starting to think like, well, maybe they are beyond superhuman. Loki is very far gone and his eyeball is hanging out, but your eyeball can hang out of your head. Mm-hmm. You can and, suffer some pretty wicked boils and have a lot of skin loss and same with your like that. intestines though. Yeah, you can, you can spend quite a bit of time with your intestines on the floor yeah
0: and, and you can
1: pick them up and fucking people could tug on them and it would feel weird but there's no nerve endings in your guts so yeah. it doesn't really hurt the hole it came out of hurts but yeah you can spend quite a lot of time with your guts spilling out
0: they've 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 established that there is some numbness around their bodies yeah so they can take more damage but alexa her hand comes off like it was attached with like fucking Silly putty. Like, so... And, uh, and I'm just like, the human body, the amount that you would have to yard on my hand, or, your, or, or I would have to yard on your hand, to pull your fucking hand off from your wrist, it would be insane. But it just kind of comes off. And her reaction, though, is hilarious. She's just like, what the fuck? That's <laughs> like, her hand just got pulled off, right? So... And he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." And it's adorable because these moments of clarity between each other is pretty fucking great. When Roxy starts going ape shit, it's my, it's it's my favorite performance from that actor, and it's one of my favorite scenes. Where it's just like all that rain coming down, he's <laughs> gonna blow everything down. <laughs> and then you, you know she's acting normal; she's just having a smoke and
1: a little bit pissed that everything's in disarray around her, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then she seems to have a problem with the fact that Maya's not really talking to her. But, um and then she fucking loses her ship. She's got a, uh, Roxy has, um what would you call that? It's a stick with a saw. Is it like a gardening tool of some kind? That's or? what I
1: thought at first, but then I, on closer inspection, I swear to God it's a, the lid of a tin can. But I don't know what it, it's supposed to be. We'd probably have to ask Bigfoot.
0: Yeah. Well. Or uh, Galt. Maybe. It's okay, so a
1: huge Wartenberg wheel. That's what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Now I don't know what it, it looks like a gardening tool or an edging. It's an edging tool, I think. Mm-hmm. But what the fuck would any of them need an edging tool for? I don't fucking know. Could
0: just been like something left over in the building or they look there are probably a lot of like garbage collectors, right? Like they'll say, Oh, maybe this will come in handier. Like Shinola
1: Shinola has all kinds of stuff in his apartment and mm-hmm. he keeps asking them to bring him stuff and he seems like the type that would if he goes out he would be going out scavenging. So, who knows what it is. And I don't know why she has it.
0: It's pretty funny though. And but it what the, the point is is like here you have Vince who takes out Alexa by literally stabbing her in the head, but well, he's been using the skull of a of a what was it, like a deer or something. Yeah, cuz he uses antlers. Yeah, he uses antlers. I like his like hunched stalking run that he does with it, especially when he's wearing big sunglasses. It's great. Um,
1: sort of the way that um, when caribou, deer, and stuff like that do fight, they gore one another out with their antlers like that. So he's sort of adopting that stance. Yeah, He's animalizing his role, much like, peacock a, peacock.
0: like. <laughs> much like a peacock. So my point being is that after Vince fucks up Alexa, like takes her out, and it's a headshot, so she's done. Not that they need headshots. I thought for a second, it's like, oh, do they need to, because Alexa is the first one of these infected for last of a better term. For lack of a better term, excuse me. That has taken out. So it was a head wound. Does that mean I've literally watched these people hack at each other for oh five minutes, eight minutes now? Mm-hmm. So maybe. But I like that Vince's. He's like, look out. He tells them to look out. Uh, people that he might, he should be attacking. But in normal circumstances, they're his friends, right? Yeah. yeah. And so Roxy's coming after, her. and so he fucking comes after her. And completely fucks Roxy up, slits slits the throat, and then that, and then she's dead. And so you're like, oh, okay, I see. It doesn't need to be a head wound. It just needs to be something that's v- a very mortal wound.
1: Yes, huge grievous injury beyond yeah. just beyond
0: like torso trauma and yeah. stuff like that.
1: Stuff that you could kind <clears> of <throat> live through.
0: Yeah. Um and 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 people who are so and then Vince just sort of dies. Well, Tess is like, he's like, I won, I won, baby, I won. He's like, what'd you win? And she's like, well, she talked to him. She's like, putting his uh guts his back guts in. back into Did his. Did you win stomach.
1: the Mega Millions, baby? Yeah. Did you win the Mega Millions? <laughs>
0: what the fuck? Then Maya's like running for uh running. She's crawling very slow to get the knife and she sneezes and then that makes Tess lose her fucking mind cuz she's like Are you trying to get me sick and then she goes on this very big rant about sex in the city and the gentrification of New York and all the while she has a knife in her head a
1: huge knife almost like a cleaver
0: yeah completely through her head like not through her head but right into her eye right into her fucking skull and and she's like how am i supposed to get work cuz she was a former model that we learn about Tess Is that had turned to a junkie and is now living in this condemned building and she's a native New Yorker but she didn't fare so good with the gentrification of New York and she blames that a lot on people like Maya who were rich who moved to New York because they watched sex in the city and things like that.
1: And reminds her, goes on this diatribe about who used to live there and who lives there now. Very angry about gentrification. And it's kind of a hilarious, like, it's a a neat rant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Her rants are neat. Galt's rants are neat. I like them a lot, actually. And it's pretty fun writing. Um, A little bit cliche, but whatever. Mm -hmm. I like Maya, though, when she calls out Tess earlier in the film about being a junkie. It's like, oh, yeah, Tess, I heard you used to be a really good model. And Tess is like, oh, I still am a working model. I'm just taking a break, you know, where it got kind of, kind of stressful. And she's like, yeah, so you're a junkie now. And she's like, what? And she go Tess freaks out about this bitch calling me a junkie. And Vince Kind of laughs at her because <laughs> he's like cooking up the next
0: shot. You yeah. know. And then, and then, but even Tessa's like, oh my God, I'm a junkie, you know? And <laughs> yeah. she has like this realization, a realization she probably has a couple times a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then forgets. And yeah. then, yeah. Because so it's kind of hilarious. And it's Maya feels genuinely bad, mm-hmm. which is doubly hilarious. And Dante's just like, don't worry about other junkies. They're going to forget tomorrow, um, which is, somewhat true, somewhat not true at all. But it's interesting to see Maya have that moment and feel so badly and then start to get a little more comfortable with the idea that she was right to say that. And like you said, it probably happens three times a week. Earlier in in the film she's questioning the look of the guitar, the bass guitar and why it looks like an axe and they have this conversation about it being Gene Simmons guitar. And she's like, Gene Simmons? The guy in that reality show? Why did he have a guitar?
0: (laughs) Um, Her character strikes me very much. and, And I don't think it's paper thin. What I think it is, is a character that's written to be a woman who has observed this lifestyle from afar who also has lived... From a a, safe distance. From a safe distance, who has also lived a very insular life and knows is aware of that fact. She's aware that she comes from a rich family. She is aware that she has had things handed to her her whole life. And she has a very big fascination with this New York and this punk lifestyle because when she sees things that are like, oh, you're a real junkie, (laughs) just like I saw on TV... (laughs) It's that sort of childlike Fascination yeah. with this sort of raw underbelly of society that she has not been privy to up so until this point. Same
1: way that people used to travel to New York or San Francisco as well to experience Bohemian lifestyle and yeah. see a real beatnik read poetry. Yeah, exactly. In the street. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's the same sort of thing. So I don't know why people ride it so fucking hard when it's actually a pretty good portrayal of that as far as yeah. people trying to portray paper-thin rich girls in films. The only other really good example only lasts for about a minute is the very beginning of Human Centipede where we've got two spoiled rich girls and their cell phones and they can't get a signal and they're lost in the bush. is kind of funny for all of the one minute that it lasts. Those are paper-thin rich girls. Mm-hmm. This, Maya's quite written quite well, I think, especially with a few of those little scenes mm-hmm. where she's not afraid to say, she's not afraid to show how stupid she is. She's not afraid to question things. She's not afraid to learn, and she's genuinely interested. And she wasn't afraid to walk into a condemned building. She was squicked out at first, like anyone would be. Mm-hmm. But she stayed the night, mm-hmm. which is and, and, bad but, luck, but it yeah. makes her a stronger character. So now how many people are left that aren't infected? Because Honest- we just went through in the last 10 minutes of this film, almost everybody is completely infected. Mm -hmm. So now it's up to Maya and Dante to kind of get into the apartments that we'd, the people that hadn't been present in the foyer for the first big argument before all the fucking hell broke loose. Mm -hmm. Absent still are the guy that lives behind the door that looks through his paper, his mail slot.
0: But um, when they get back down to the main level, that's where they're cornered by uh, Bigfoot, and and then Bigfoot goes on his particular rant about cameras watching him and all that kind of shit. And then it's
1: one of the few scenes where I do get kind of grossed out out of all the grossies that are in this film.
0: It's a very it's a very gross gooey film.
1: It is, but none of it squicks me out. None of it grosses me out except
0: the, the nose boogies. Yes,
1: He's double just- rivlets of sticky, gross, thick. Caked on real good. Caked
0: on real good. Just
1: like a disgusting child who has a cold and their parents aren't keeping them clean or indoors or wherever. whatever you do with kids in that state and they've got two big green booze just dripping down almost to their mouth. That I can hardly look at in real life and I can hardly look at Bigfoot in this scene. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, don't worry because Galt's to the rescue. He's got his infected hulking sub-boyfriend Murphy that, and by the way something that we might not have noticed or we might not have mentioned, is that Galt and Murphy are neo-Nazis and uh, Bigfoot is Jewish so Galt and them scream Jew, Bigfoot screams Nazis (laughs) Which
1: is, you you kind of forget about that in a way, because it's not, it's made super apparent, yes, that Bigfoot is a Jewish, and he uh, feels some very, very deep guilt about neglecting his religion. Yeah. And he has a big speech in front of Dante about yeah. that, are actually. i you going to tell my
0: wife that I'm going to, like, have sex with a guy that has tits and suck his dick.
1: Yeah. Are you going to tell my rabbi?
0: It was the, are you going to tell
1: my rabbi... Which reminds you, because there's been a few hints throughout that he's guilty of his religion or guilty of not being faithful. Um, and of course, just his general look and the fact he's wearing a yarmulke. It's right there, like, and moments after, you remember that, oh yeah, Colm <laughs> Murphy are Nazis. Oh shit, and here they come. And then the Jew and Nazi screaming
0: match begins. And they fight. Oh, they fight.
1: Like, you could only imagine a gigantic Jew and a gigantic Nazi team could fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're both, like, big scary people. Yeah,
1: Yeah. all of them are super scary. And it's kind of like the crescendo of the violence Mm -hmm. for the time being.
0: Yeah. Well, they go to... uh, Dante and Maya go to Alejandro's place and... (laughs) while they're running away from Murphy who won the fight against Bigfoot and they just drag his sorry ass. I feel so bad for this guy. He's just been like shitting and puking his guts out by himself in his apartment, praying to God, just wanting, please help me or whatever. And now he's just like on his mattress and they're just like, we got nothing to block the door. The door won't lock. Just put this big guy in front of it.
1: Yeah, in any movie, any other movie you've seen, they use a dresser. There's no dresser to be had, so we'll just drag Alejandro and his entire mattress over there, which is super sad. It's sad that they didn't know what state he was in, and Mm -hmm. Dante seems to value him as some sort of friend or acquaintance, as anyone else in the building. So when he goes to get into his apartment, I guess he wants to help him and be safe at the same time, and then realizes right away he's way too far gone.
0: Mm -hmm. So they use him as a door block. use him as a door block. Murphy kills him. Toot sweet. Yeah. And then they, like, barricade themselves in the bathroom. I don't know where they thought they were going. But they barricade themselves in the bathroom. And then the weirdest thing ha- ends up happening because Murphy just suffers catastrophic head failure.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a little more of this uh, really more amped up effects for sure. But it's very trauma-esque again.
0: Yeah, like the big bubble on top of his head. And I guess you're just, oh, I guess he just died. He succ- his brain
1: Melted Fly. out
0: over top out of his skull and everything. It's yeah. pretty awesome actually. He just died. And now you're dealing with gulp, who is left.
1: And angry. And becoming infected. And his guy liner's a mess.
0: His guy liner's a total mess. His face is totally fucked up. His he- hair still looks good. His hair does look pretty good. Uh like it just got cut maybe that week. He's got the axe now and he's just trying to fucking blow the door down.
1: They've locked themselves in by using this hasp and instead of having a lock they have no lock to lock the house so they stuck a crucifix
0: they did yeah and it's very effective
1: which seems to work very good yeah the only it's protection all... from god you're going to get at all in, no, this, in this building in this condemned yeah. building very condemned condemned
0: in more ways than one
1: yeah to hell
0: mm. condemned to hell yes
1: more on that later um <laughs> so they've got galt Doing almost like you're expecting a Jack Nicholson impression any fucking second.
0: Oh, for sure. Why not? Right? Throw the line out there. I was kind of expecting it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't. You can't out to that film all your life.
0: No, but I mean, eh, whatever. I just want to like the line. That would have been cute. No. In a, In in a world in a world where they're just throwing in one liners, I'm like, take somebody else's. Do it. Do it.
1: I like their own one liners, and I like Galt. I like Galt's anger right here too because it's what we've sort of been waiting for isn't it and now we know Murphy's dead so he's probably going to go berserk
0: right Mhm. well Maya gets out through a little vent in the side while Dante
1: is... has deked around him mm-hmm.
0: and they've gotten they've gotten through and they go to uh...
1: well, they eventually get to Chinola's apartment
0: they do and you finally get a peek inside his place and the best part about this is how all three of them the two non-infected and the infected Galt both stop.
1: Yeah, because you're like there. This is a chase scene. Yeah, Galt is angry. He's just lost his boyfriend. These are the last two survivors that are running from him, and I don't think he'd be chasing them for any other reason except that they're running from him. So it's a predator-prey situation. And they finally get into one of the last apartments that we've seen in the building. And the one person we're pretty sure, we we know that Shinola is not doing too good, but they're probably pretty sure that Shinola can help them and is alive. And there's this apparatus and you can hear machinery whirring. And it sounds like you've stepped into this curio cabinet somewhere in Diagon Alley or something. And their eyes are wide with amazement, and Galt comes in right behind them, about to kill their asses, and goes,
0: wow. This was here the whole fucking time. Well, what is it? It's a bunch of mannequins on servos to thrust, and one of them has got a big, floppy, honkin' dildo on the end it's of like it. a
1: big 22-inch silicone... Wang. Oh, hell yeah.
0: And then Galt is just, like, this is, like, Galt's fucking jam. He's super into this right
1: yeah. now. Yeah, I think he's he's a little jealous. Felt, feels a little left out.
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, you have a sex thing? I want to, I, I have sex things.
1: The fuck, Shinola?
0: Well, Shin- Shinola comes to the pair's rescue, because, like, Galt's like, I'm going to make you suck this.
1: But hiding behind all the mannequins was Shinola, because he's not as sick as we thought he was, because... Uh. A little while before, he was like reaching up from the floor while people were knocking on his door, and he looked real helpless and stuff. So we thought he was down for the count, but no, oh, yeah. he's their savior.
0: Sort of. The gulp <laughs> for smush- a smushes his head, like pops it like a fucking zit.
1: And we get another shot of blood on the camera.
0: Yeah, that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. Um, Dante and Maya got to get away from this fucking guy, so they run into a room. This time, they as they do, they pass a guy in the upstairs with a hazmat suit on.
1: Yeah, which seems out of place.
0: I thought when I first saw this movie that, oh, does does like the government know about this? Are they, you know, swarming the building? Yeah. Is it a conspiracy? I thought. Is, Is this, this like Rack where it's yeah, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's right?
1: surrounding them. Yeah. And they've got that containment net over the whole building already. Yeah. Maybe Cookie didn't lock the door. Maybe he didn't. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. They get trapped into a room and Dante falls to the floorboards.
1: Oh, yeah, because this is a condemned building, remember? <laughs>
0: yeah, this is pretty shitty. And then we have a scene, that scene that we were talking about where Galt, it, uh, as uh, Maya is screaming down, trying to see where Dante could have been. trying to, uh, it, like, Galt is just sitting there on the floor next to her. He's like, oh, hey. You're the garbage, garbage girl. You remember me? Have you seen Murphy? My boyfriend? He, big guy.
1: It's so sweet. It's so <laughs> precious. And he's got guy liner for days. He's a little sweaty and shaken. And he's curled up on a little ball on yeah. the floor. In a, a position that we've never seen Galton before. Yeah. Whatsoever. Uh, weak and, and submissive. And sad.
0: And sad. And, he, he's, and this is why I believe that... He, his persona that he has is broken just because of the line that he delivers where he says that I think I offended him I did something so to me I was like okay well when they're doing their the their, their role play basically um, he he feels that Murphy is gone somewhere, has left him because at some point during their role play he feels like he took it too far and now Murphy is really offended and he's left him So I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I see your point about it. It shouldn't extend to other people. And I'm like, yeah, you're totally right. It could
1: be that all this time, of course, that Murphy's been topping from the bottom, as it were. Uh, And yeah, he was the driving force in that relationship entirely and drawing all of that uh, dominating personality out of Galt. That could be part of it. Mm -hmm. And he's nothing without Murphy. So now that Murphy's gone, he has, like you say... Just plus, this plus spring.
0: Like, like, where where else is Gulk going to get, like, a super big, buff, meaty, scary-looking neo-Nazi boyfriend? All they, kinds they of places, They don't fucking man. grow
1: those on trees. They don't grow them on trees, but they do grow bears on trees. So, yes. Does a bear shit in the woods? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> does a bear shit on my chest? Your chest? Yeah. My chest? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm sure he could find another boyfriend. Maybe not one that really clicks with him like that. But I also think that, no, this is that was just their organic relationship that Murphy was not exploiting but comfortable with and clicking with this personality of Galt that is Galt. We heard his pep talk in the mirror. I think Galt is who Galt is. I think that this is not... Um, him letting down his persona, I think that this is his actual persona crumbling because of the infection and this is him doing and saying things he would never do or say and everything else that Galt did or said was exactly just 100% pure Galt. Maybe. We're gonna agree to disagree.
0: We're gonna agree to disagree on that for sure. Well, fucking Basil Exposition bursts through the fucking door and takes out Galt with his fucking stupid syringe concoction. I hate this fucking character.
1: Yeah. For the whole four seconds that he's on the screen, yeah, he's hateable, for sure. I, uh, it's weird. I, I bet you everyone that has anything bad to say about this film forgets that this guy even exists.
0: Well, you have to... Fuck, you, like, go take a piss, you come back, and you wouldn't even know. No, it's true. So the guy that has been in the, the building the entire time with the door closed, and every time people pass the door, he turns on the light, and he looks out of his mailbox, and then... Someone
1: who I thought would be like Link from fucking Hardware... Wasn't at all.
0: No, apparently he's a very smart, very well-equipped guy who...
1: Former CDC.
0: Mm, and he kind of knows exactly what's going on. He's seen infections like this before, although nothing this fast. Slow deaths, he says, in his experience. He, he spouts off a bunch of names of different places and then says, oh, we got to go tell people. There's 8 million people outside that door. And we have to do something about it while Pop goes the weasel.
1: And he dies. Because
0: <laughs> the weasel goes Pop. Loki is back, motherfucker. And he's put that guitar to good use. Yeah. You know, I was really hoping that he would put that guitar to use. I was like, you have a guitar that is an axe. It's an axe. It looks like an axe. <laughs> so you better be using that fucking guitar to kill people. It's,
1: you need to punish people with it.
0: I know. It's amazing. Well, they end up down into the sewers, and Maya's looking for Dante, trying to get away from Loki, and they they tangle. Loki and Dante final showdown,
1: which is so sad because they were such good little friends.
0: They were good friends, uh, bandmates, mm-hmm. and they've probably known each other for years. But it can't be helped now, and so there's a struggle. I don't quite agree with this choice because I, I was like, "Are you trying to build? Are you trying to build tension for two point three seconds?" While we find out, oh, we heard a gushy noise. Someone's dead. Oh, it's not Loki. Or sorry, it's not. Uh, it's not Dante. It's Loki that died. How did he die? What? 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 Fucking. Hap- I like. I hate that shit. I was yeah, like, I would have
1: like. I, 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 he I, didn't I, even come out of there with a fucking bass guitar in his hand.
0: Yeah, I know. I was like a head. Anything. Make it good. Like yeah. if this, if this is your.
1: Better make Loki come out and kill the girl, and nope oh, bummer ending.
0: Yeah, yeah, something. But yeah. but you know, you had like this weird thing where. For two seconds, you don't know who the fuck won that fight because they don't even show it. I'm like, that's fucking lame. Like, if this is your final fight, and it is the final confrontation between characters, make it interesting. You've ha- you've not fucking shied away from anything. Big Daddy, we left out, knocks the top fucking test's head off. Yeah. In a really effective way by leaving the little bottom part of it on. So it's not like a clean cut across the neck, which is uh, an easy thing to do. I like when they kind of... Make it yeah,
1: they've left a little bit of the lower mandible. Yeah. And there's all kinds of blood. We've had all kinds of people's guts being torn up. We had someone walk bone. around with a knife through their head for the longest time. We've had
0: people's heads pop, limbs rip off, all kinds of great stuff. We
1: had a wonderful side a really nice profile shot of Roxy jet puking green sign. Oh Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we've had like a lot of gushiness and a lot of grossness and a lot of decapitations and just grotesquery. And with Loki, who already looks fucked up, we get nothing. And we could have had all kinds of fun stuff, especially with his eye hanging out and his skin being as malleable as it is, where it's being pussy and stuff.
0: Yeah. I just don't know why you, I don't know why you cheap out now. Yeah. And you don't show that death. But what we do see is Dante is now infected. And it's funny because beforehand, Basil Exposition, or whatever his fucking name is, said, oh, I can tell you're not infected because the color of your eyes hasn't changed. When she sees Dante, she's like, she's scared of him. She's like, well, baby, what's wrong? Baby, baby, baby your eyes. Baby, 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 oh, baby, baby. baby, baby. Uh, he fucking, well, it's like, your eyes, your eyes, baby. He's like, baby, no. Yeah, baby. Baby. And then, but I was like, I was like, yeah, almost as disgusting as the massive fucking boils on his face. What the fuck are you talking about? His eyes, his eyes are fucked. He's got lesions on his face. That's what you're fucking looking at. Horrifically. Then she is screaming at the sewer, which is, it's a good shot. It's on the uh, The cover. Yeah. That's
1: what I enjoyed. And I was kind of hoping when I saw the cover that that's the end game. And it is. Spoiler
0: yeah. alert! She gets jumped, and again, it's another, it's another cutscene where we don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, she she's completely infected. She's on a, a hospital bed. She's believing that the doctors are doing something and uh, like 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 pouring blood on her and shit like that. And she's flipping out, even though she's still tied down in bed. And so she's completely fucking infected. Maybe they can do something for her. They don't really even say what's wrong with her, although they don't seem entirely surprised. These shady people behind the glass and they're on a phone saying oh we're going to we got to lock this place down yeah, everyone
1: lock... in a what five mile radius is it a house arrest
0: yeah every yeah. house arrest for everybody so and that's where the film ends i like
1: that she thinks that she looks perfectly fine and all of these people are tormenting her in this locked up room where in reality everyone's just sort of standing back and watching her freak out and she's Is showing the boils, and her eyes have changed, and she's freaking out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I do like the end of that, in a way. Mm -hmm. All in all, it was, like, from the first 20 minutes or so where I thought, oh, shit, this is just going to be like every other cranked-out cookie-cutter horror movie. Uh, Rich girl goes to the city, and what? They they get infected, and everyone gets sick in the... What's that... um, afflicted in the in like in the film afflicted which i didn't find very good at all so i thought i was in for something a lot like afflicted or uninhabited films that i haven't fucking liked at all that aren't fucking scary at all and have absolutely no real gore to them whatsoever so thank god that after the first 20 minutes that was fixed with Loki, and then thank God after that strange sequence where we sort of miss some time after the scene where it seems that Maya's gonna get torn limb from limb and she's not. From then on, the film just ramps up into a gortastic splatter fest.
0: I'm sorry, I've just gortastic. I forgot all about that.
1: <laughs> perfect word it, it describes it perfectly and i can see why some mainstream film watchers wouldn't like this and would enjoy the first 20 minutes of it or so and then feel kind of ripped off or tricked and i think that they were sort of tricked into thinking that they were watching something fairly regular because it's not it wasn't touted by the horror press as being super gory it was sort of looked forward to by the mainstream press as being a nice horror film.
0: Mm -hmm. The constant references back to trauma. I can see that. I could see that it has, uh, it has a sensibility with the, within that vein. I think that they were probably expecting something closer to a quarantine Mm -hmm. or, 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 or something like that where you, you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a building locked down full of infected people and they're going to be killing each other. And it's a horror movie, so it'll probably have some blood, but it'll have... So, it, it, it probably won't go for broke and keep the camera for, like, five or six pumps of your fucking uh, bladder. Atrial spray or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you're not going to have that, but they did. And Well, all... they had
1: people tying knots in one another's guts.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you have all these extra effects and extra touches that... Are not necessary for a film, but for the type of film that it is, I mean, gorehounds would find it necessary. Mm-hmm. But the people writing Entertainment Weekly, forgive me for generalizing, are probably not gorehounds.
1: And probably less than impressed when they're unexpectedly given something like this to watch.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: It's kind of sad and hilarious in a way. Mm hmm. Now, that's another reason I really like following the press for this film <laughs> it's just funny to me it's like they accidentally mixed up this with some like I don't know did we have this and Goodnight Mommy mixed up and they were supposed to get Goodnight Mommy and we were supposed to get condemned is that what happened here
0: it's possible
1: yeah yeah I think it's hilarious aside from like just generally liking this movie and how gory it is and it is trauma-esque
0: mm-hmm. it definitely Which is. which to us is not a bad thing
1: not a bad thing at all some of the Choma's finest, actually, would... Th- that's what this has given us. Yeah. And I like that this direction is what filmmakers are taking. And I like the films that filmmakers were
0: influenced by. Especially, like, set in New York. Like, fuck yeah. There's probably Choma people all around those that place.
1: Yeah. It's super fun. Um, and it isn't just a completely throwaway. And maybe I think too deeply about films like this. I've never really sat around and thought too deeply about a Choma film except for maybe Nymphoid, Barbarian, and Dinosaur Hell. that is That film warrants some thought. Um, but having a character named Dante and mm-hmm. having a place with levels yeah. and having people go and talk about God and worry about blasphemies, you can't help but think about Inferno by Dante.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You can't. Well, fuck, man! I feel like we should have high back leather chairs. Where we're going with this?
1: Well, we kind of have high back chairs. We
0: have high back chairs, but they're not the the leather, the red leather that I'm kind of looking for. You
1: want red leather, like a like a maroon leather.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We need a crackling fire.
1: Ah, we have a fireplace, and there's no way you can put a fire in it. <laughs>
0: Damn. Well, I guess that's just what kind of podcast we are. <laughs> now, that's not gonna that's not gonna reek of pretense to me. I fucking <laughs> like put. Like, all kinds of heady spins on dumb slasher movies that we watch.
1: Yeah, you can't not, and it makes it fun. So, when we start into this film, they are sort of in a limbo, because Maya's being ousted from her home, Mm -hmm. she's sort of anchorless, they go to a punk show, and there's nothing that will make you feel more like you're in limbo than strolling around downtown at... In a large city, especially somewhere you don't know, because Maya doesn't know this area very well at all, at all,
0: at all. Never been there.
1: At like three or four in the morning, a little bit drunk, just Mm. a little, just enough. Yeah. Nothing really equates with limbo quite like that. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely where I feel that they are at that point. And then basically one of the next scenes would represent lust very well because Dante's sexy room is lit with a red light. There's no Christmas lights to be found in there. Uh, the floor is mostly clean.
0: And sexy times are afoot.
1: He has a duvet. He does. <laughs> yeah, sexy times are afoot. They definitely have a sexy hot makeout out session.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Gluttony is sort of represented next with... Um, I want to say it's the scene where Galt is feeding Murphy his piss, Mm -hmm. Um, but there is like some scenes of Alejandro's room with the food all lined up, and it's just showing how much drugs these people are consuming, because this is when they're showing all the things going down the drain, which I wish that they would have shown more shots of the drain because we get a lot of the shots of the drain at this point of the film and then again not again till the very very end but they don't do the follow cam showing things going through the drain sort of like csi throws shows uh drugs going through veins and stuff Mm -hmm. i wish that they would have shown a little more of that but so the gluttony of everyone taking in all these drugs and then you move into greed which would definitely be cookie cookie is a greedy bastard Mm-hmm. Um, he's
0: got stacks of cash. He's got yeah. stacks of drugs. He's uh,
1: shortchanging his fucking the person he's working for. He's probably shortchanging. He's probably stepping all over his own fucking shit for the junkies that live in the building. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a greedy motherfucker. And you can even put forth that he's greedy about wanting this pop star. That's
0: what I was gonna say. He covets her. Yeah, and he wants to have her.
1: Yeah. So that's all part of a greed thing as well. And then anger, one of the very next scenes, is Galt flipping out on the garbage girl. Because Maya wants to put the garbage at the front. And it's... We see a lot of angry Galt. We see a lot of Galt freaking out. We see a lot of very, you know... Between him
0: and Bigfoot, there's a lot of fucking angry people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there's some scenes right around this part of Bigfoot showing anger. But it's succinct with Galt. Because he's clearly very angry at her. And he's... In a, like a really more far more human and believable and dangerous angry and a sort of angry that people on planet earth unfortunately have had to see more often than not because we don't normally get the sort of anger because someone just decapitated your boyfriend we don't see that every day um but this sort of anger where someone has offended you and people around you and your your ilk so Galt's anger in the scene is extremely palatable and there's nothing else going on. They're in an empty apartment, so there's nothing else to distract you. The only thing going on in this entire scene is Galt is angry. So it's pretty clear to me. Um, at that point, then things sort of get muddled and we backtrack through the levels of hell a little bit at that point. But we do hit heresy because there's a 666 planted on the wall that's sort of like singled out in a way. Like there's a lot of writing on the wall in the mm-hmm. in the main apartment but it's prominent, though. It is very, very prominent and very noticeable, where a lot of it just sort of blurs into the background. And Alejandro's praying incessantly, and this is where we do notice. This is one of the next things we notice about him, is that he has gotten votive candles and crosses everywhere, and yeah. he's praying incessantly. Tons of
0: pictures of Jesus on the walls, like like one after another, right? Just picture, picture, picture.
1: Yeah, and we start to get more of Bigfoot bemoaning his lack of faith and violence is the next level of hell and we descend into that quite well in this film and that's really where it begins after all of that all of those levels of hell being traversed the violence does truly begin in this film at this point Um, fraud we'd have to say the CDC guy has tricked them all because he's known what was going on he's been watching all of this go on through his little thing he has sort of defrauded them Um, Tess's whole speech about gentrification, calling out Maya as a fraud. Mm -hmm. So that would be a good explanation, I feel, for that level of hell. And last would be treachery. And you could, again, blame the CDC guy. You could blame just a lot of them have been treacherous among one another, killing each other's friends, killing each other's boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, the fact that they're now locked down is a huge
0: treachery. And and also, like, Dante turning on his girlfriend, right? At the lowest level of hell.
1: Yeah. Super treacherous. Mm-hmm. Disturbing.
0: When he has been the only, him and her were the only uninfected people through the majority of this film, and and it's not like, it's not like a slasher in that there's six people and they're all running together and they're running away from one or two infected. Not one by one. No, no, it's literally everyone's fucking infected and like a fucking video game or like a, a house of horrors or something like that, each one of these characters is just going ape shit in the building. But what's cool is they'll kill anybody. It's mm-hmm. they'll, they'll kill each other. It's like spiders. They'll just fucking eat each other if you leave them together. Yeah. Right? So, um...
1: I like that it does end on the very bottom level of hell, too. And that's where you see her arm reaching up from in the, in the cover. Yeah. They haven't got quite that low in the building up until this point. Fairly loose, but I feel fairly on point interpretation of Condemned using Dante's Inferno as a backdrop is who the fuck's Virgil? Who's leading Dante through all of this? Or Maya, I suppose. Is Dante the Virgil? Who's leading anyone through all of this? It certainly couldn't have been, and it should have been in a way, Shinola.
0: That's what I was going to say. Bye. But but he... Shinola's a shitty Virgil. Shinola prefaces the entire film to us, the audience, with his speech about birds and nests and spitting in God's face. Then... They keep, on multiple occasions, Mm -hmm. they are trying to get to him Mm -hmm. to either help him or they need information or they need something.
1: they feel he will guide them out of there. Yeah,
0: and then he does save them, in a sense, from Galt and leads them to safety. So, I mean, look, if we're doing loose interpretations of a film that works for me.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm not crazy.
0: Well, you might be. Oh. These are mutually exclusive. Are you right about the Dante's Inferno thing? Yeah, I think you might be. Are you crazy?
1: Mm. I just don't feel that Shinola accurately represents what Virgil represents because he's got a bunch of mannequins with fucking dildos attached to them. I don't think he's actually getting fucked by those, by the way. I think that that's all just aesthetic. I don't think that Shinola is that sexual of a being to be using his mannequin creations and automatons in a sexual manner. I think he's just a maker, a toiler, a doer, a he's putter like, together he, of things. He's, he's like,
0: gotta make something. Yeah. What am I going to do with all these mannequin parts? <laughs> what do we got next for him?
1: Up next we have Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Oh. Uh, yeah, something for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> that banshee always scared the fuck out of me and I'm going to see if it has the same effect on Wes.
0: Oh God. No, I'm afraid that for St. Patrick's Day, you have the right to remain silent forever. That was the tagline. We're doing Maniac Cop. Yeah, I'm
1: excited. I realized that it's St. Patrick's Day. I don't necessarily celebrate St. Patrick's Day, so we'll I find I never out. do. I always work yeah. on it. I usually work, or I sit at home and listen to the police scanner, because it's kind of hilarious how many times people can say intubated in one evening. <laughs> but I thought that for our listeners' sake, because we do cover films leading up to halloween we cover films around the christmas time that have a christmas theme loosely because we're not like that concerned about holidays and stuff like that Uh, but we have been doing it yeah and i know that you really enjoy stuff like that and i didn't want to cover a leprechaun movie so maniac cop is what you get
0: (laughs) well i'm thrilled
1: chilled and spilled uh yeah spilled out Gut spillingly good. Gut
0: spillingly good. Gut spillingly gortastic. Gooey gut spillingly gortastic greatness. It's a lot of alliteration.
1: I will not drink green
0: beer. <laughs> and on that note, I'm Wes Knight.
1: And I'm typical Lydia.
0: And you've been listening to Dead Air. <laughs>